I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Congressional Republicans and the White House have still not met for negotiations about the debt ceiling ahead of next month's looming deadline. The federal government hit its debt limit earlier this year. House Republicans did narrowly pass legislation to increase the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion last week, but called for reduced spending and reversing some key policies backed by President Biden. The mayor says that Texas is about to resume busing asylum seekers to New York. This is very much top of mind for both of us. I'm pushing for more money for the city from the federal government. This is a federal problem. I told the mayor, you know, we're very sympathetic to what he's having to deal with, and he's making the best of a really bad situation, and we're partnering with him. The New Jersey Devils win a playoff series for the first time in 11 years, and they're on to the second round. Well, doesn't mean a thing. It's great to have talent, but uh, when you got to play together and work hard together, and I love to have talent, but you love to have a work ethic and stuff like that, and we just didn't get it done. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie about a ghost from a wishing well. In a castle dark or a fortress strong with chains upon my feet, you know that ghost is me, and I will never be set free as long as I'm a ghost you can't see. If I could read your mind, love. great Gordon Lightfoot, who passed away yesterday at the age of 84 years old. Gordon Lightfoot, if you could read my mind, folks, I have a feeling if you could read my mind, you'll know exactly where I stand this morning. Let me just say this, rest in peace, Gordon Lightfoot, I do love this song. You had a couple of really good songs, a few number ones and number twos. This one's my favorite. We'll play it twice today. But let me just warn you, folks, while our guest list today is amazing, Bo Deedle, Larry Kudlow, and the big one coming up at 8.05, Mayor Eric Adams. Let me warn you, 
and I do this every now and then with zero remorse, no apologies. I am not in a good mood today. Let's deal with it. That's it. You know, this is not the um, this is not the radio show where I come on with the same big guy voice every morning. Hey, welcome back to Bernie and Sid. Uh, no, that ain't this show. It's not whatever's going on in my life doesn't matter because for the next four hours I'm going to talk about politics. No, it's whatever's going on in my life is what I'm going to talk about. And politics will always take a back seat and sports and, and all that stuff. That's uh, the reason why we get nearly eights and everybody else gets a three if they're lucky. They don't even get a three, to be honest. People like the the real radio, right? They like the real emotion. So whether it's something going on with my family, whether it's something going on here with my job, it doesn't matter. If I'm not in a good mood, I'm not in a good mood. And that's today. But I will say this, over the years... And this goes back to my days with Imus. Over the years, when radio hosts come on and they're not in a great mood, and Luke can attest to this, nine times out of ten, while people get nervous, oh, my God, he's in a bad mood today, nine times out of ten, that's the best show. The best show. Because someone's going to say something today, whether it's the mayor or anybody. That's going to tick me off that ordinarily wouldn't bother me all that much. And today, I want to punch somebody across the face. So that means you've got a combustible situation which could explode at any second. Any second. And that makes for the possibility, the potential of great radio. Yes or no, Lewis? I wouldn't say 9 out of 10. Maybe 5 out of 10. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, some, Some of them were not... That great. No, he matter. was just, but he was just a dick, and you know, right. that's not me. I mean, I'm, you know, I, 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 um, I say I'm in a bad mood, and then I, there's some self-deprecation. I start laughing two minutes later. He really would be in a bad mood for four hours. I mean, now I'm telling you, on, tr- shut up. I'm telling you now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there's, uh, there's a few candidates today that could actually make you. Uh, oh yes. Yes. I, I know one in particular, but I'll just wait. Yeah. Oh, you're right about that. <laughs> This one, no one will ever guess. You're right about that. <laughs> but Adams is right there, too. I mean, I, I read the New York Post, and I see Adams claims it's racist for Texas to bus migrants to New York. And listen, Eric and I are friends. If you don't like it, I've been over this a million times. I don't care. But I don't like everything Adams does. I don't like everything Adams says. And it has become way too easy, way too easy for a black person in this country to scream racism when things don't go their way. And what it does is it dilutes real racism and at the same time makes white folk like me feel uncomfortable. There's nothing racist about Abbott sending migrants to New York. Why should the four border states, why should Arizona and California and New Mexico and Texas shoulder the brunt of the whole country, especially a state like New York with a Democrat mayor, a Democrat governor, a blue city, a blue state, all these states that have politicians, blue states, not black, Adams, blue states with politicians that are lax when it comes to the border. That's the issue. The color problem here is blue, 
not black. Why should Abbott have to shoulder brunt the whole load? And the truth is, he shouldn't. It's not that he's busing people to Chicago, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Denver, and New York because they're black cities. It's because, you ready for this? That's where they want to go. Because, yes, all five of those cities have black mayors that bend over backwards to take care of these folks. Right to shelter is one thing. Free movies and booze and food and Xbox, that's another. So you're damn right. They want to go there to those cities. Nothing to do with color. So he is um, he's already, he doesn't know this, uh, the mayor, but he's in trouble already. So he'll be here at 8.05. But, of course, it all starts with last night, and that is my hockey season is over. Some of you, like Lewis, it was over a couple nights ago when the Islanders lost to Carolina. Now my Rangers, like the Islanders, are reduced to playing golf. It's over. And it became increasingly evident as the series moved on after the first two games that despite big names, and we've seen this with the Yankees and a lot of pro teams, you know, they stockpile all these big names, quote-unquote talent. We fall in love with that. I know I did. You think, oh, my God, this team can't lose. you got a Hall of Famers on every line. And then you see a young Team like the Devils skinning right past Patrick Kane, skinning right past Adam Fox, skinning right past and all these guys. Then you come to the fast realization, whether it's the Yankees or the Rangers, that big names don't win. And the Devils were the better team all season long. The Rangers did not beat the Devils during the regular season. The Rangers were the underdog in this series. And it all made sense when it was set and done. Not after two games, with the Rangers outscoring New Jersey 10-2 to two those first two games. But it all made sense when it was said and done. So next time people like me and others fall in love with names and talent, that doesn't win. And you know who said that? Forget about me. The Rangers head coach, Gerard Gallant, said it last night, but after the loss, when he was posed with the question, what about all that talent? Here he is, Ranger coach Gerard Gallant. When you look at the talent that you have in your room, does it just intensify? Well, talent doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> it's great to have talent, but uh, when you've got to play together and work hard together, and obviously the, the four games that we lost, we had two goals. So that was, that's the bottom line. You know, Like I said, I love to have talent, but you love to have a work ethic and, and more forecheck and stuff like that, and we just didn't get it done. So I do this three-way text before and during every Ranger game with Mr. Peerless Boilers, my dear friend Pete Morgan, and, of course, my friend of 43 years, famous defense attorney, President Trump's attorney, Joseph Tacopina, and the three of us start texting each other about 15 minutes before they drop the puck right through the game. And I know exactly what these guys are going to say before they even say it. So the game ends, and what does Tacopina do? you got to fire Gallant. I mean, come on, Joe. Come on. This is why, again... I don't do sports talk radio. Like I see my guy Danny Tominia, basically my cousin. He's another psycho. He's a sports fan, lives out in New Jersey. He wants to fire Aaron Boone again because Boone took out Herman after 88 pitches, went to the bullpen, blah, blah, blah. As if it's Boone's fault that Judge is hurt, Stanton's hurt, three starters are hurt. That's what we do. We want to fire the coach. 
Even though, again, the Devils had the better regular season record, the Devils beat the Rangers three out of four during the regular season. The Devils are the better team. we got to fire the coach, which is so stupid. It wasn't Gallant's fault that New Jersey showed you why all season long they were younger, faster, and the better team? They showed you how over the hill Pat Kane is and some of these other players on the Rangers. That ain't Gallant's fault. Firing the coach, what is that going to do? Is that going to make Zabinijad a better player? Is that going to make Panarin a better player? Adam Fox, who was widely regarded as one of the best defensemen in the NHL, certainly the best defenseman the Rangers have had since Brian Leach, he was a nightmare. He was the human turnover last night. How is that Gerard Gallant's fault? It's not. You can't just fire the coach every time your team loses, especially when the Rangers were the underdogs. If you're going to fire Gallant, you better tar and feather the Boston Bruins coach because they were an overwhelming favorite, overwhelming favorite, and they lost to the Panthers. It's not about firing the coach. Sometimes you just have to come to the crashing realization, and it's uncomfortable, the better team won. And the Devils were the better team. Bottom line, better team, faster, younger, and they can forecheck, which the Rangers don't do. Bottom line, Mike. Bottom line. Bottom line. <laughs> so the Devils now move on to take on the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, my Panthers, that's my team now. My good buddy Vinny Viola joined me on this show yesterday. He owns the Florida Panthers. Also, by the way, owns Forte, which drew the 15 post in the Kentucky Derby yesterday and is the odds-on favorite to win the Derby on Saturday. Vinny Viola spent 15 minutes on this program yesterday with me. So his Panthers game one tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you're all set. You're all set all four series in the NHL. And, of course, all four series are set in the NBA. The Knicks, they're back tonight for a game two after losing that very disappointing effort Sunday at home to the Miami Heat. Knicks need to win tonight. And then you've got um, the Celtics and Sixers. Uh, Justin, who won that game last night? Did Boston win that? No, the Sixers won. Okay, so what is that series now? I think it's one nothing. I think one nothing Philly, yeah, right? One. Heats up one nothing. James Harden had forty. He had a big game, points. Harden. Yeah. yeah. Game. And out good. west, uh, the, the the Nuggets beat the Suns again last night. I think so. You don't even know. No, but I I actually do. Well, then you just saw. put it. In your, was it in your sports update? No, I do local sports. I told you when it comes to the playoffs. Uh huh. You're allowed to do the other stuff. In, in, in game in games one of a series? There would be game two last night, Phoenix-Denver. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's yeah Denver, Denver, Denver yeah, won. Denver, Denver won, won again? Mm-hmm. 2-0. And the Lakers start their series against Phoenix is down 2-0. That's surprising. Against the Lakers, Golden State. Golden State tonight, right? Yeah, tonight. Well, there you have it. 10 p.m. It's too late for me. Well, I can't be up that late at night. No, you can, and it's a West Coast basketball game, so who really cares? Nobody cares. Exactly. So Adams uh, will come on at 8.05, and I'll blast him about this whole racist nonsense with Governor Abbott. You know, I saw this uh, little criminal Mayorkas on with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press on Sunday. I told you that. I saw two consecutive interviews on Sunday with Chuck. First, Mayorkas, and then he spoke to Vivek Ramaswamy. That's when Chuck Todd uh, tried to explain to Vivek that there's boys and girls and something else. What? 
and something else. The hell are you talking about, Chuck? How bad do you need the money from NBC that you're going to create a brand new gender? How badly? So he's got my orchestra on. I told you guys this story yesterday. So I text Chuck quite a bit on Sundays during Meet the Press. Anytime he brings on a guest, that is clearly lying. It makes me crazy, and I'm compelled to text him. So Mayorkas is on, and he just, in the few minutes I saw him, he lied about everything, everything. And I'm like, Chuck, will you get this lying scumbag off television? And, of course, Chuck never got back to me. But if you missed it, here is um, Mayorkas telling Todd on Meet the Press, this is the greatest migration at the border in a long time. Lou Rafino, Mayorkas, cut number four. There is already reports in Brownsville, Texas, right now, shelters are overwhelmed. The cities of Chicago and New York are already overwhelmed. What's May 12th going to look like if we're already overwhelmed before the expiration of Title 42? A few things, Chuck. First of all, this is a really tough challenge, as we all recognize, for years and years. We are seeing a level of migration, not just at our southern border, but throughout the hemisphere that is unprecedented. It is, I think, the greatest migration in our hemisphere since World War II. Yeah, I wonder who's responsible for that, Mayorkas. We didn't have these issues, oh, I don't know, three years ago when President Trump was in charge for four years. We had nothing. The southern border was shut. Nobody was coming across, despite what you tell people on television, try to blame Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is the biggest migration issue we've seen since World War II. And guess who's responsible? You, you son of a bitch. This guy, Mayorkas, should be put in prison. He goes on. He's not done yet. Talking about how Title 42, which we know, Donald Trump, we know that Title 42 was effective, but of course, this administration could never give President Trump any credit. So here's Mayorkas taking a shot on Meet the Press, Chuck Todd, NBC, at Title 42, Lewis, cut number five. In New York, migrants are getting court dates in 2033. How does that happen? So we are, uh, what we have done now is we are going to be able to exercise our immigration enforcement authorities. We've been precluded from doing so mm. by a court. We sought to end Title 42 long ago. Okay. And Title 42 does not deliver an immigration consequence. <laughs> Title 8 oh. of the United States Code does. Oh, if really. an individual is removed under Title 8, they will um, encounter an at least five-year bar mm -hmm. on readmission to the United States. And finally, finally, Mayorkas, one more. What is a... What's a secure border, Mayorkas? He's going to tell you. Right here, Lewis, cut number six. What's uh, the definition of secure border to you? It is, in the context uh, in which we are working, it is maximizing the resources that we have available to us to deliver the most effective results. There you have it, folks. All right, so we got a huge guest list today. It all starts at 740. He's on twice a week. He's so good. My dear friend, Bo Deedle, 805. Once again, Mayor Eric Adams back on the show. First time in over four weeks. 825, Noam delivers his nuggets. Coming up at 840, the latest with Sudan, China, you name it, Gordon Chang. 905, Fox Business and WABC star Larry Kudlow. And my dear buddy, the actor Peter Gordio, coming up 
at 925. All the audio you need, all the sports you need, we got it all today. As always, the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. And once again, rest in peace, the great Gordon Lightfoot. But from now on, let's be real. I never thought I could act this way. And I've got to say that I just don't get it. I don't know where we went wrong, but the feeling's gone. And I just can't get it back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Is that a disgrace or what? gone completely crazy. My friend Marlena Chavo, Chiavo, sent me uh, something from the, I believe this is from the state of Vermont, talking about gender, where all these people, including Chuck Todd, are trying to make the argument that it's not just a boy and a girl, there's, there's something else out there. There's a spectrum of gender, a spectrum of gender. It's sick, man. It's sick. Look, I'm not happy. These little kids are so tortured. And I'm aware how many of these kids end up committing suicide. I'm not happy about that. I'm a decent soul. I'm a good man. It makes me sad. But last I checked, see, I deal in percentages majorities, minorities, especially when it comes to making laws, societal norms. Last I checked, less than 2%, less than 2% of our kids are dealing with this. Yet, yet, we're going to make the other 98% of boys and girls who realize, hey, I've got a pee-pee, I'm a boy. Hey, I've got a vagina, I'm a girl. We're going to make them crazy. We're going to make them think, well, maybe it's not all that. 98%. I got a big issue with that. Big issue with that. I'm sorry that there is a minute percentage of kids and whack job politicians and liberals in this country that deal with this. But I don't want to deal with it. I don't want my kids dealing with it. I just don't. There are boys, there are girls, and that's it. 
for Chuck Todd. How bad do you need the money to sit there on NBC on Meet the Press and grill Vivek Ramaswamy? As if Ramaswamy was saying something so outrageous because you didn't add a third or fourth or fifth gender was nauseating. I'm not sure. There are three things that are really pissing me off already this morning. One is every time the mayor doesn't get what he wants, he uses the term racist. I'm sick of black people, including the mayor, doing that. The other one is this gender nonsense as if there's something besides a boy and a girl. And, of course, the Rangers lost. So now that's three things, Lewis, that have me very upset. Let's revisit this conversation. Once again, courtesy of Meet the Press, Chuck Todd, and NBC just Sunday, where Chuck Todd actually takes Vivek Ramaswamy to task because Vivek had the nerve to say there are boys, there are girls, and that's it. Below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers. You're for calling the it that, transition. but how do you know it's that? Again, how do you know? Do you know? Are, are you confident that you know that gender yes. uh, is uh, as binary as you're describing it? Are you confident that I it am. isn't a spectrum? I uh, am. Do you know I'm, this as a scientist? Well, there's there's two X chromosomes if you're a woman, an X and a Y. That means there's you're a, a man. lot so of scientific research out there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I, I respectfully oh, disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder. And I don't think it's compassionate to affirm that. I think that's cruelty. When a kid is crying out for help, mm-hmm. what they're asking for is, you've got to ask the question of what else is going wrong at home? What else is going wrong at school? Let's be compassionate and get to the heart of that, rather than playing this game as though we're actually changing right. our medical understanding but for the last I, I go hundred back years. To this. If a parent is dealing with a child that has these, that may have these issues, trust me, the parent, the last thing they want to do is consider something like this. But if that is what they think could help their child pursue happiness or they're not to kill themselves, I, why take away that option? Again, it, why shouldn't it be up to the parent? So w- part of why parents now suddenly feel that way, let's ask ourselves that, Chuck, because we've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually take those steps. So part of what I think is, listen, gender dysphoria for the rare few people who have suffered it is a condition of suffering. My question is, why on earth are we going out of our way to create even more of it? And there's no doubt that the cultural movement in this country, even education, is creating more gender dysphoria. If it's a condition of suffering, let's not create more of it. Well done. Uh, The end of that was horrible, but Vivek Ramaswamy... Beating the living daylights out of Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. That was courtesy of NBC. And I'm disgusted with the media, with this whole agenda. It really is gross, and it needs to stop. We got a great guest list, starting with Bo Deedle at 740, the mayor, Eric Adams. He'll be here at 805. Traffic with Joe Nolan. He's in a great mood today. His devils have moved on. Coming up next, right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from the Dominic Carter Show. Here, Dominic talks about an attack in the subway 
This case is being prosecuted as a misdemeanor despite a new law requiring assaults on transit workers be charged as felonies. The supervisor says he could have died. This happened uh, April 18th, and he wants the charges upgraded. Wouldn't you? For someone that just attacks you for no reason at all, as he was inspecting work at the 96th Street subway station and was waiting for the train to take him to his next inspection, at the 125th Street station when he was ambushed around 3 a.m. The worker says it happened so quick, thank God he didn't fall on the tracks. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal under you. They are the world's best built boilers, and it's all she wrote now for your New York Rangers, who, after all the expectations this season, they're unable to get out of the first round of the playoffs, losing last night's Game 7 against the Devils in Newark by a lopsided score of 4 to nothing. The Blue Shirts got worked up and down the ice by a better hockey team all night long. And if it weren't for goaltender Igor Shosturkin, this eliminating loss for New York could have been much more embarrassing. It's no secret that they put a lot of eggs in the basket for this season. Still came up way short. As for the Devils, though, they deservedly move on with the help of goals from McLeod, Tatar, Hala, and Brad had the empty netter. The Carolina Hurricanes await New Jersey in the second round, set to get underway tomorrow night in rally. Now to the Diamond, where the Yankees continue to plummet without their stars, losing 3-2 to two at home to the Cleveland Guardians in Game 1 of a three-game set. The loss makes four straight for the Bombers, now flirting going under 500 and sinking deeper into last place in the AL East. They'll try and make sure that doesn't happen tonight in the middle game with Cleveland. Set for 7.05 p.m. at the stadium. The stopper and ace in Garrett Cole will take the hill going up against Cleveland's Tanner Bibby. As for the Mets, they split their doubleheader with the rival Atlanta Braves yesterday, losing the first game 9-8 to before getting their vengeance in game 2 with a 5-3 to victory. They're in a much more comfortable spot than the Yanks after the first month of the season. Just three games back of the Braves for first place in the NL East. They'll try and chip away at that deficit. A bit more starting tonight in Detroit against the Tigers. First pitch in the opener of a three-game set scheduled for 6.40 p.m. with Joey Lucchesi set to toe the slab against Detroit's Michael Lorenzen on the hardwood yesterday. The six best of the Celtics in Game 1, 119-115. And the Nuggets, they go up 2-0 on the Suns, 97-87 in Game 2. Looking ahead to action tonight, you got Heat and Knicks. Game 2 at the Garden, 7.30 p.m. Tip-off with Miami currently up 1-0 in the series. Here we're sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankList.com to find a deal in there. You go the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Trunk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC.
said in winter 1963, it felt like the world would freeze with John F. Dream Academy, Life in a Northern Town. The weeklies came back yesterday. And I do go over the ratings all the time on the air. Something that I learned from one of the all-time greats when I was down in Miami. There are really four groups of people that have influenced me in radio along the way. I miss, of course, the biggest because I spent 18 years on and off with I miss. So he'd be the biggest. Howard Stern, obviously, on the sports end of things, Mike and the Mad Dog. And there was a guy in Miami, don't forget, I spent 11 years doing radio in South Florida between 790 The Ticket, WQAM, and 640 Sports. He was the first openly gay talk show host, and he was a genius. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of folks ask me all the time, that oi, 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 that you hear all the time, that came from Neil Rogers. And he was a midday host. And he was brilliant. When I tell you funny, he was brilliant. Stern loved him. In fact, when Howard Stern started his own station on Sirius XM, he wanted to add other talent, and he did for a while, because he owned, there were two stations. There was like 100, 101. Scott Farrell, for example, had a show on Howard Stern's channel, but they really wanted Neil Rogers. Oy. There you go. And Gary Delabate reached out to Neil, who was making millions and doing very well in South Florida. And it came close to Neil leaving South Florida and going to work for Howard. He didn't do it. He stayed in South Florida. Long story short, Neil died, <laughs> and I ended up replacing him, which was Unbelievable. Down in Florida, two all-time radio greats on the sports side, former Dolphin great Jim Mandich, who was the analyst for Dolphin football games for many years and had a sports talk afternoon show that did well for many years. He died and I replaced him, and I replaced Neil Rogers as well. And then here, of course, I replaced Imus. But Neil would go on the air every month. Back then, you got ratings every month, not every week. And he would just go over the ratings of every show in South Florida, and he would expose all the big mouths who didn't get ratings. And he was able to do that, of course, because he got great ratings. Sound familiar? So we got the weeklies back yesterday. So I was in London. We uh, we had a 7.1, which is an unbelievable number. You start getting fours, that's a good number. A lot of the shows here in WR can't get a three. We had a 7-1, and then the second week of April, when I came back from London, I got back yesterday, we got a 7-5. Again, 12-plus. I know it's not 36 to 64 and all those demos that some of you salespeople are rolling your eyes as you're driving your car. Eat it. That's the demo we deal with. We don't talk sports. We don't, we don't uh, design our show to... Get every, you know, wannabe jock in their car right now listening. We talk to the whole audience, men, women, you name it, 12 plus. 
7.5 yesterday is uh, what came back. So that uh, that put me in a pretty good mood. Then I decided to take out my kids for dinner last night because Danielle was working late, the beautiful Danielle. So I took Ava and Gabe from Mexican food to Elvez. Elvez Mexican Restaurant in Battery Park, which is uh, Elvis Presley. That's what the place is dedicated to. But I guess in in Spanish, it's Elvez, Elvis, I don't know. But I go there about once a week, and I get the same thing, and I'm bored. I'm so bored with food. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, like Justin gets me the, the breakfast every morning. So I switch. You know, I go from egg whites. Then I'll stop doing that and do like a bagel with cream cheese, and that's too fattening and stupid. I go back to egg whites, bored. And for lunch, it's, you know, I go to like three places, Chipotle, because it's not that bad for you. If I'm really going to be rebellious, I'll have two slices of pizza. Lest we forget your uh, tomato and Munster cheese. Yeah, that was a good one, too. I may go back to that. Psychopath. Delicious, delicious, and not horrible for you. And the bagel's always scooped out, too. Right, right, right. But I'm bored of it all. So uh, I get the, I go to the Mexican restaurant. We get the um, the guacamole. My kids love it. I like it, too. And then uh, it's always a burrito or a taco. And I don't know. It was just it was nice spending time with Ava and Gabriel. Dinner last night. We haven't gone for dinner, just the three of us, in years. Being that Ava just got back from Europe in college. And it was, um, it was nice, you know, that I got home and... Danielle was waiting, and we all kind of sat around and talked. And then I kicked them all out of the room to watch the Rangers. And then at about somewhere midway through the second period, Danielle texted me and said, come into the bed, and you can watch the rest of the game here. I'm going to bed. And I did that and fell asleep probably around midnight, miserable. And then woke up and came here, and I'm in a much better mood now. So, Yeah, oh, you're much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not with you. You're beaming. You're yeah. beaming. Don't forget, folks, a week from tomorrow, just eight days away, President Donald Trump will be on this program. Promise me 15 minutes coming up at 8.05 next Wednesday. So just so you know, today at 8.05, we've got a Democrat mayor, the mayor here in New York. It's a big guest. Whether you like Eric Adams or not, it doesn't matter. It's a big guest. So we go from the Democrat mayor, Eric Adams, today to the Republican president, the next president of the United States, Donald Trump, a week from tomorrow in eight days. And that's what we do now on this show. That's why we used to get 2.6s, and now we get 7.5s. That's a fact. That's not up for debate. It's not, well, yeah, no, that's a fact. We've doubled, and in certain cases, tripled the ratings because we try to appeal to a wider audience than just the people who wake up every morning and hate Democrats and love Trump. Also, next Friday, I get my monthly appearance. It's now monthly on Jesse Waters' primetime on Fox News. I did it uh, April 22nd, I believe. Next Friday, May the 12th, back with Jesse Waters. See, I don't uh, go after Fox News like my friend Bodito does because I'm on there. Brian Kilmeade brings me on there quite a bit. I'm on his show, One Nation, Saturday nights at 8 p.m., about once a month. Now I'm on Jesse Waters officially once a month. By the way, Jesse Waters gets about 2.7 million viewers a night. Second only to Tucker Carlson. Tucker was getting 3.1 million. That's now down to about 1.6. 
lost half his audience. Gone. See ya. And if Fox News thinks Lawrence Jones is going to help them, they're nuts. I mean, I, I'm not going to be critical of Fox News again because a lot of those guys are my friends, and I love going on that channel. And I go across the street every now and then with Bob and Katrina, Monica. But uh, Fox News is clearly the champ. They just are. Even with all their issues and all that's going on. But I, I don't think Lawrence Jones can keep up what they've had at 8 o'clock at night for so many years between Bill O'Reilly and Tucker Carlson. But regardless, next Friday, Jesse Waters, 7 p.m. primetime. 1-800-848-WABC. As always, that's the number, 1-800-848-9222. Again, big guest list today, Bo Deedle, Mayor Eric Adams, Gnomes Nuggets, Gordon Chang on the latest in Sudan, Larry Kudlow, and my friend, the actor Peter Gordio, who right now is involved in a competition to grace the cover of Muscle and Fitness magazine. You can vote until May 11th, and as of this morning, Peter Gordio is leading in votes, and that's a big deal to get that cover. We'll talk to Pete coming up at 925, the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77. W-A-B-C. accident. Trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you, but don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. raining again it's raining again all i see is gloom doom umbrellas man what's going on here i know that sometimes you get some spring showers but 
And a little bit of sunshine yesterday. It is depressing, New York, man. The clouds right above the buildings, right, look really scary. Ominous, yeah. yeah. Stay like this uh, till like, Friday, too, so. Good. <laughs> good. That's just wonderful. It's funny you say good when uh, Noam was telling the story, the news, I should say, about the guy that killed the madman in the subway, and I kept saying good, and now my phone is blowing up, and people are saying that's why we love you, because I kept saying good. But I meant it. I'm just so sick of all of it, and it's nice to see people every now and then take matters into their own hands. I'm not for necessarily for that type of justice. You know, what do they call that when um, guys like Bronson? Vigilante. Right. Very good, Lewis. Well, I I was one in a former life, so. Oh, I can see you doing that in a heartbeat, man. I can see you just losing it. Yeah, I don't care. Grabbing a gun like Michael Douglas and. Yeah. What was the name of that movie, Standing Still oh, uh, or Walking uh, Tall? Or, um, yeah, uh, not Walking Tall. That was Brian, the other guy. Um, oh, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. You are, you're a psycho. You would do something like that in two seconds. Two seconds. Take, take out one of those rocket launchers out of my car. Yeah, I could see that. But we do need more of that. We need folks to step up. And, um, you know, the police are great. We love the police. I, I have a question. Why does Tiffany Caban... This is this low life. Why does she even get to enjoy having police? If somebody breaks into Tiffany Caban's house and is about to, God forbid, and I mean God forbid, rape her or murder her, she should have to fight by herself. If you're out there every day, I'm going to ask the mayor this too. If you're out there every day, like this lady is, bashing police, sending a letter to little kids in a pamphlet, in a pamphlet telling little kids, yes, there are some good policemen, some, but most are bad. And what they do to black and brown people, they kill them for doing the same things that white people do every day. What a lying scumbag Tiffany Caban is. So, If she wants to defund the police, and the police are so bad that all they do is wake up every morning looking to kill black people, brown people, why can't the police say, we're not going to help her? We're not going to help her. Bottom line, if you're a city council member this morning, then you're all about defunding police and demonizing police publicly, as this lowlife caban does, then... They should actually lose the privilege of having police protect them. Let Caban call AOC when somebody breaks in. Let her call her psychologist or social worker. But I would love it if we got to the point where if you publicly demonize police, you don't get them. LeBron James, F you, fight yourself. All these people. All these people, because you know what? With Bo Dito coming up at 740, the cops know it. Lou Spagnola out in Jersey knows it. He knows what these people say. And guess what? Guess what? If somebody breaks into Tiffany Caban's house and these cops know exactly what she said, guess what they're still going to do? Show up. 
because they're good people and they care, unlike this animal. Tiffany Caban is an animal. Cops will still show up. You know, I just had the privilege a couple days ago of seeing a whole bunch of great cops, from Commissioner Shul to my dear friend Paul DiGiacomo, the head of the DEA. I was down at the Battery Park Memorial, the NYPD Memorial, where just last week they unveiled 77 more names, including, you may remember Brian Simonson, beautiful young guy, murdered in an AT&T store in Queens. Oh, the guy had priors. And I met a whole bunch of folks, one gentleman in particular that's friends with John and Margot. His wife passed away. Capra, I think, was the last name. But these people, knowing full well how some of these folks, city council members, other politicians, and everyday folks feel about them, they know they still show up. I don't know if I could do that. i got to be honest. <clears throat> if I knew somebody was saying the stuff they say about cops, about me, I don't know if I could show up. These are better people than me. But wouldn't it be great if there was some type of ordinance or law, I don't know, legislation, that if you publicly demonize the cops, you lose that privilege? Now it's on you, bitch. Wouldn't that be great? Well, you don't don't need it. They just don't have to show up. People, they won't do that. Uh, I, I wish they wouldn't. But they don't do that. I know. They're too good. I know you would not. I could. Oh, I'm course, not going. No, no. There's no going. No, I'm not going. Like, are you no, kidding? No. You kidding me? Somebody says something bad to you out in the hallway, <laughs> you don't talk to them for the rest of the day. <laughs> really? <laughs> if you're a cop. Oh, come on. I'm not that bad. No, you're you, did, you, did you hear what he just said, said to me down there? I, none of well, you. I don't want any of you talking well, to I him. I don't like to be disrespected. That's all. He's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking <laughs> well, about. That's true. Justin, don't. Justin, don't talk to him. Well, just don't disrespect me, that's all. (laughs) Is that asking so much? It's not at all. If I'm going to give you an opportunity, if I'm going to go out of my way to help you, then know your role. (laughs) There's a hierarchy in in every aspect of life. There's a hierarchy. you got to know your role. But you're probably right. I probably wouldn't because I am and I'm a petulant, immature child. Oh, very vindictive. Very vindictive, yes. No, that's not true. No, no. Okay, it is, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Say it again and I'll get you, you yeah, little. Right, I know. <laughs> yeah. right. I'll remember that, Lou, you no. stupid idiot. Joe Biden is one of those guys who doesn't like cops. He'll tell you every now and then, oh, no, I love the police, and but he's full of it. Here's the polls, Jack. Yeah. So he had a particularly brutal day yesterday. I, how many years have we been playing these gaffes? It feels like... Forever. My partner, Bernard, God rest his soul, played these. Feels like 20 years ago. And yesterday he had a bunch of them. I mean, this was great. This was Joe Biden at his very, very best. On this one, he's trying to read the teleprompter. Enough said. (laughs) So, it's so bad. He's, He's trying to shout out a Florida Small Business Award winner. Yes, a small business award winner in Florida. Take a listen to him because you voted for this guy. Here's your guy, Joe Biden, trying to read from a teleprompter yesterday, just a week after he announced, I'm running again. Joe Biden, Lewis, cut number one. We see it here again today. In companies like, I hope I pronounced it right, uh, 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 Ame Power. 
Is it Ame? I believe that's right, yeah. Ame Power, Florida Small Business Winner Award winner, uh, uh, Business Week winner. You won. But now remember, we are not that far removed, folks, from Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House spokesperson, telling us that Joe Biden is the greatest communicator in the history of the presidency. She actually said that. We played it. We played it more than once. So, just in case you missed that and this, one more time, here's Joe Biden announcing a big winner, cut number one. Muslim culture is woven throughout. We see it here again today in companies like, and I hope I pronounced it right, Ame Power. Is it Ame? I believe that's right, yeah. Ame Power, Florida Small Business Winner Award winner, uh, Business Week winner, <laughs> one. One. Yeah. 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 So then he announces yesterday it's the end of Ramadan. And I don't know about you, but when I think of Ramadan, the first person I think of is former Milwaukee Buck, Los Angeles Laker great, formerly Luau Cinder, now known to everybody as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And you know... When I see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, how difficult this is going to be for Biden. I'm kind of scared about this one. Oh, yeah. So here, recognizing the end of Ramadan, he tries to honor Kareem. It sounded like this. Muslim culture is woven throughout the American culture, music, film, literature, fashion, and the arts. And the cheer for Muslim, we cheer for Muslim athletes like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Abdul-Jabbar. I know him, and I did mispronounce his name. But he called me Joe Biden once in a while. One more time. Here it is. Joe Biden recognizing the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Here is your president once again, as Kareem once said, the greatest communicator in the history of the presidency. Muslim culture is woven throughout the American culture, music, film, literature, fashion, and the arts. And the cheer for Muslim, for, we cheer for Muslim athletes like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I know him, and I did mispronounce his name. But he calls me Joe Biden once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what he said in any of that. None of it. But, you know, as bad as that stuff is, I can deal with that because I can laugh at it. But then he says this, and I don't know. I'm not Monica Crowley. I'm not Ron Insana. I'm not Charlie Gasparino. I'm not um, I'm not Larry Kudlow, who's going to join us coming up at 9.05 this morning. But you could bet your ass I'm going to ask Larry this. I'm okay with all those flubs. I mean, it's kind of sad that he's fallen apart completely, but it does make for good comedy. But then he just lies. He just lies, you know? Like, the border is closed and the economy has never been better. So we tried to make the point yesterday, and maybe he's not lying, we'll find out, that he has cut the deficit by $1.7 trillion. Now, again, I speak to these economists all the time, right? We've got five of them that come on this show on a regular basis. Five of them. No one has ever said to me, Wow, this president has cut this deficit by nearly $2 trillion. 
Maybe we'll find out today that's true. I doubt it. But here was Joe Biden once again yesterday patting himself on the back, Lewis, cut number three. In my first two years, we cut the deficit $1.7 billion. No, that's not true. Trillion, trillion, Excuse trillion me. dollars. Right. Close. Not billion, trillion yeah, dollars. Right, right. Even for that. two years. Yeah. Noam, uh, we'll go to you for a second here. That he even flubbed that. He went from $1.7 billion to $1.7 trillion, which is a big difference. Are you aware that this president has cut the deficit by nearly $2 trillion the last couple of years? I had not heard that. That yeah. was news to me. News to everybody, right? Yeah. So is there any chance that Larry Kudlow comes on at 9.05 and says, listen, that is true, and then gives us reasons why it's <laughs> no. No chance. Yeah, not at all. No. Zero chance. Zero, yeah. So you're telling me right there, forget about the flubs and the comedy, can't say Kareem's name, couldn't mention the small business owner. You're telling me that the President of the United States bold-faced lied to the American people about the deficit yesterday. Uh, probably. Yeah. You know, well, whether, you know, the advisors give him the numbers, he just reads them. I don't right. know if he even understands what he's Well, if the advisor tells him that. Right. Some advisor said that to Donald Trump. Would he just read it? Uh, very possible, yeah. Okay. They all lie. I mean, this is not news. They all lie? Well, when you're oh, you sound to... like my family. They go, well, you know, I don't really like either party. Yeah, they do all lie. They do. And both parties are screwed up. But you can't compare the Democrats lie. Much more often, the Democrats are much more screwed up. You know, we talk about this gender stuff and right. the border. That's all Democrat policy. It's not Republican policy. It's not both parties are screwed up. All the things we talk about every day on this station that is ruining this country are Democrat policies. Are they not? Well, you can always take a stat and you can work it in your favor or work it against the, your opponent, right? I mean, you can always mess with it. And, you know, massage it and then come up with some great number that either works for you or works against your competition. That's what I've watched over the years. So I don't trust a whole lot of what anybody says. Anybody? Yeah. Is there one politician over the years that you came to trust? And always told the truth? No, not Mm -hmm. always. No one always tells the truth. You you don't always tell the truth. You're not even a politician. I do always tell the truth. you kidding? Top of the hour, it's all truthful. Mm -hmm. All right, so who is it? Who's your... Who's Noam Layden's uh, favorite, favorite politician of politician all time? Politician of all, all time. time. Your favorite. That's tough. I don't know. You know, I don't really have any adulation for politics. See, you're a horrible person. Why? Because the answer should come right off your tongue. Oh, you're going to want me to say what? Ronald Reagan? No. Abraham Lincoln? Rudy. Rudy Giuliani? I mean, 9-11 was the worst day in the history of this country. And whether you like what he's done since or not, a lot of folks don't. That's fine. Donald Trump, the whole rigged election thing, I don't care. What he did back then... That's it. Oh, game was, over. He was unbelievable. Well, game no over. That's it. About it. That's it. Game over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I, I, had to I tell don't you disagree that. with you. I, I look. I didn't know, wasn't thinking about Rudy, but Rudy was. There was nobody better for that moment. You were just thinking about the Rudy. president. Yeah. Who was your favorite president in your lifetime? Uh, in my, you know what? I mean, I don't know. This isn't my lifetime, but I just finished reading his uh, biography, like all nine hundred pages of it. Yeah. And um, and you'll laugh at me, but he is a fascinating guy, Lyndon Johnson. 
No, I, I don't know if he's my favorite, but I read this. I mean, it is. A, I think it's a thousand Listen, pages. Boy, is he a fascinating guy. Fascinating guy. Yeah. Replaced Kennedy after he was assassinated. Yeah. And just passed all this interesting legislation. Was of able course. to bring Democrats and Republicans together. and Blacks no, and whites. Yeah. And, and wow, also, don't forget, also gave an award to Forrest Gump. I <laughs> surely did give an award. I don't know how they Gump. did that, but yeah. that was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Forrest Gump hanging out with Richard Nixon, yeah. Lyndon Johnson. No, that's not nuts. I mean, he was, you know, he was, he was a lefty. Yeah, it, well, big time. But he did I, receive a little more credit than he should have in some of these things you're talking about. But interesting guy. Yeah. And uh, Lady Bird, of course. Lovely lady. Yeah. Yeah. Who was yours? My what? Favorite politician. Favorite president. Well, politician Rudy, uh, Ed Koch, Peter King, those guys come to mind right away. My favorite president, uh, too, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. Okay. Now, mind you, I love Bill Clinton. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That first term, I loved him. Good-looking guy, played the sax, country was doing great. Don't forget, in the late 1990s, I worked at a dot-com business. Everybody was making money. He was great. But then, of course, a lot of the stuff that Bill did, above and beyond smoking cigars, <laughs> was was so bad that there was no way that the next guy that walked in, in this case Bush, wasn't going to get burnt. All the mortgage deals he allowed, you know, letting Osama bin Laden get away three times. So as good as things were under Clinton, it was just a matter of time before it all fell apart. And in walks dopey George Bush. And he took a beating for it. So that's my uh, that's my answer. Okay? But he was remarkable after the 9-11 attacks as well. Who was? Uh, George W. He was great. Yeah. When he stood on the wreckage with the bullhorn. Yeah, that, that moment seared in your head when he threw forever. that pitch at the Yankees game. 100%. Seared in my head forever. Right down the middle. Yeah. Do you know that when he had the bullhorn on top of the wreckage, George Bush's approval rating was 97%. Come on. I swear really? to God. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It didn't end that way. <laughs> no. <laughs> the Iraq war didn't help him. We, yeah. You know, we unite in moments where we have to, which is a good thing. What a bunch of crap that is. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, no, come on. You remember after the 9-11 attacks living in the city? I remember for two weeks. We, for two well, weeks. Yeah, it was great. No, it was longer than No, that. it wasn't. Two weeks. Cops were good. Firemen were good. Dude, I remember applauding firefighters, right? I mean, the, I did that. People were with firefighters I on, uh, and we, we applauded them in Blondies when the place was like It was on, on fire. fire. Yeah, well, they asked they us to leave because the place was on fire, but we wouldn't leave because we had shots on the table. No, we, <laughs> we had Jägermeister <laughs> shots. And they're like, you got to go. It's on fire. Well, like, we got shots. Yeah. Ed Coleman was drinking beers in the back. He wasn't leaving either. Nope. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, we've got to take a break. We've got a lot to come your way. Bo Deedle, always great on a Tuesday. Mayor Eric Adams. He'll be here at 8.05. Gnomes, Nuggets, Gordon Chang, Larry Kudlow, Peter Gordio. Monster Tuesday edition. The Sid Rosenberg Show. Keep it right here. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I will tell you this, the president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. And I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She's I, dead. I think she was. She was She's dead. Yeah.
Now the late, great Gordon Lightfoot passed away at the age of 84 yesterday. Another great Gordon Lightfoot song. Nice job, Lou Rufino. Yeah, the greatest communicator ever. So my buddy, Joe Tacopina, who was on that three-way text with me last night. I'm going to miss that. Before, during, and after every Ranger game for hours, me, Joe Tacopina, and Mr. Peerless Boilers, Pete Morgan, would uh, talk to each other, communicate. And uh, Pete and Joe say all the stupid stuff they say on Sports Talk Radio. You know, fire the coach, bad penalty, all that stuff I don't miss. But they're fun. They get into it, and they love it. And the game man didn't. Takapina wanted to fire the coach, which is dumb. But he um, he got a big day today, which is not dumb. He's back in court for uh, President Trump. I know that Eugene Carroll had a rough day on the stand yesterday. Rough day on the stand. And she's having difficulty, I think, proving this alleged rape that she says happened 30 years ago at Bergdorf Goodman. This defamation suit now, which is a civil suit, not a uh, suit, not a criminal suit. I think Takapina's in court all week. He may have Friday off. I think he expects to sum it all up on Monday. And then right after that, either Monday or Tuesday, we'll have Takapina on exclusive Joe Tacopina, uh, uh, what really went down. So we, we're, the, we're always the first one to get Tac, which should be the case, being that he marked up my father's brand-new Cadillac in the fifth grade with a blue pen 43 years ago. So good luck uh, today to Joe Tacopina in court, but last night uh, didn't end well. Rangers lose 4 nothing to the Devils, and they're done. New Jersey moves on. They'll take on Carolina. My dear friend Vinny Viola, his Florida Panthers, their game won tonight in Toronto against the Maple Leafs before his horse, Forte, that drew the 15th position yesterday, goes off on Saturday morning 5-2 to two right now as the favorite at the Kentucky Derby. But talent doesn't always get it done. It does in radio. The talent usually get big ratings. But we've seen so many examples of sports teams, Yankees a lot, where they amass all this talent, and they don't win. And the Devils had a better record than the Rangers during the regular season. The Devils beat the Rangers three out of four games during the regular season. The Devils came back from a 2 nothing deficit and beat the Rangers 4-3 in the playoffs. Devils are better. There's like nine Hall of Famers on the Rangers, and they didn't win. And some lady asked Ranger head coach Gerard Gallant about the difference in talent last night, and he made the point I'm making right now. Talent doesn't always win. Here's Gallant after the loss. When you look at the talent that you have in your room, does it just intensify? Well, talent doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> it's great to have talent, but uh, when you've got to play together and work hard together, and obviously the, the four games that we lost, we had two goals. So that was that's the bottom line, you know. Like I said, I love to have talent, but you love to have a work ethic and, and more forecheck and stuff like that, and we just didn't get it done. A lot of that talent looked old to me. Pat Kane looked old. 
Well, Adam Fox, who's not old and has been the best Ranger defenseman since Brian Leach, killed the Rangers last night. Killed them. Never saw that before. 23 was awful. The bad game. Awful. Kreider had a bad game. Zabinijad, the very first possession, blew a, a, a power play opportunity and turned the puck over. It was just guy after guy. Outside of Shesterkin, who was brilliant every game, brilliant, there was nobody who was consistently good for the Rangers. Nobody. Meantime, that devil goalie, Schmidt, who never played a playoff game in his life, had one stinker in game six, otherwise completely shut down the Rangers in uh, four, five, and seven. Three, four, five, and seven, whatever it was, I don't even know. So the Rangers are done, the Islanders are done, and the Devils move on. We uh, have a boatload of great guests about to stop by. Bo Deedle, Mayor Eric Adams, Gordon Chang, Larry Kudlow, and Peter Gordio, all in succession about to come your way next. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. A lot of cop talk already today. I did a lot on Tiffany Caban earlier. She don't like the cops? Good. Don't go to her house. I think Vito Fasella, the Staten Island Borough President, and Joe Borelli both said that on Katz's show yesterday. Katz and Cosby. Talking about cops, my next guest spent the better part of two decades as one of the greatest, most heroic cops in the history of this city. Now he's gone on to become this unbelievable actor. Television shows like Godfather of Harlem, Gravesend, Blue Bloods, movies like The Irishman, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, Gemini Lounge coming out this summer, and also one of the great P.I.s in this country, but most importantly, the most loyal and dear friend you could ever have nearly 30 years from me, Danielle, and my family. The great Bo Deedle. Bo, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. I got to get something right out of the way, uh, right away. Uh, yesterday, I went to Brooklyn, and uh, I was at Mamani's Hospital. I was supposed to go to the, uh, the graveyard for Joe Pepitone, and after speaking to our very, very dear friend, Joe Esposito, uh, he got some very, very bad news yesterday morning, and he was in, in a very bad way. So what I did is I jumped in my car. I went down to Mamana's hospital. I walked into his hospital room. He had the biggest smile. His daughter was there. Oh. We hugged We hugged each other for two, three minutes crying. Oh. And, you know, he got bad news. So today I need everybody. Right now he's being operated on his, on his malignant brain tumor yeah. in his brain as we speak right now. And I need everybody to send their prayers out to Joe. Let me tell you how uh, sincere Bo is. I know the mayor was there last night, too, but you and Esposito are really, really good friends. And I remember, um, for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, 
that particular morning I found out that his wife, who I didn't know and you did know, passed away before you did. And I called you, and you're the toughest guy I know. You really are. You started to cry on the phone like I did when my father died, like you did when your brother died. And I said, wow, Bo Deedle really, really loves this man. So what he did yesterday was was sweet, and you're just – you're a good soul, Bo Deal. You really are. Well, again, Joe Dunn was there. Even that inspector that was in charge of Big Bird's uh, uh, security detail that I wanted to punch out at one time when I was running for mayor, he was there. But you know what? It wasn't the time. You know what the time was? Like I said, nothing means nothing, right? Right now, it's yeah. all about Joe. Joe getting better. All right. God bless Joe. Please, everybody pray. He's being operated. As we speak, they start the operation at 7 o'clock this morning, and I'm praying. I, I can't even be around. Just listen to this one. All of a sudden, I get a call from my friend Greg Olson, the, the billionaire astronaut. He asked me his son's graduating the University of Virginia. That's a school founded by Thomas Jefferson. And he asked me, would I do the commencement for his son's graduation at the University of Virginia? Wow. Greg's sending a private jet for me. They're going to pick me up. I'm flying out of Teterboro. At 11 o'clock this morning, I'm flying down to Charlottesville, and I'm actually going to talk in front of these young kids. I said, well, what do I got to say? And Greg says, you've had the most interesting life that anybody could dream of, which is true. You know, I've made <laughs> – I sold a company in 1999 for $200 million dollars with Danny Del Giorno. I pissed through it. I pissed through a lot of money. I, I, <laughs> I made a lot of money. And you know what? Enough something. I've lived a really fine, good life. Charity, charity. I raised just on that Rayos table, maybe 800,000 to 900,000 every year selling that table to charities. And you know, what's important is giving back and my life that I've lived. Am I sorry about some things that I've done like you are? Of course, but you don't take your whole spectrum of life no. with a few negative things. No. You just move on. And you want to know something? And by the way, just like so you I know, said, this is a big deal because Virginia happens to be the number one state school in the country. This is a very big deal, Bo Deedle, a very big deal. I, I looked it up, and you want to know something? I'm going to be talking about it. They have a code. They have a, a code of ethics they started there where anybody who is uh, cheating or something like that, they have to take a go. This, I'm so excited. And then I'm going to go to uh, – Greg's going to take me to Thomas Jefferson's home, and we're going to go through there before I do the speech. But to me, I've learned all about it. I think it's the number two business school in the country. And they got Bo Deedle, ex-detective awesome. – Bo Deedle going out. I'm very honored, but let's get to some real important things today. And, again, Joe is the most important thing. Okay, you're right on about this Kuban woman. And you know what? All these city council people defend the police. These are scumbags. And you know what? They should be put on a list, and the list should be called pay-no-mind list. Their homes and their offices should be put on there. And you want to know something? Every cop should know it. You know why? But let me ask you a question, because I said this earlier. I was yelling about this, that Tiffany Caban, the city council members that that, uh, uh, publicly demonized police, and she has this pamphlet telling little kids that police kill black and brown people who are doing things that white people do every day. But here's where I know, uh, while you say it on the air right now, Bo, if you were still a cop, and I turned the clock back to 1977, and you knew what Tiffany Caban was saying, you would still show up at her house because that's what cops do. You want to know something? You're right. And I'm sorry. I'd like to be Mr. Tough Guy, but I'd be the first one through the door. And then, you know, when, when, when you start to look at 
your whole life in, this, in the whole spectrum. You say to yourself, what didn't I do in my life? You know what I didn't do? In, and when I was 17 years old, I was going to Floyd Bennett Field to join the Marine Corps. And then all of a sudden, this lottery came up, and I was 300 and something. And I never went to the Marine Corps, but I'm one of the biggest supporters. Hey, that, that bill that Trump passed as far as to help the uh, the veterans to get medical and uh, psychological stuff, yep. It's the it was the uh, Veterans Choice Bill. Trump actually gave me credit for that. I gave him the idea where veterans could go to any hospital for PTSD. So I feel like I'm helping veterans. But in my mind, back in my mind, I said, you know what, Bo? You should have gone into the Marine Corps. You should have been in Vietnam. But the little birdie on the other side said, Bo, there would be no Bo Deedle if you went there. Because, yeah. you know, they would have these platoons and they would have a point man. And I think you know who would have been the point man. Probably one of these gooks would have put a bullet right in my head, and it would be no boat needle today. So life is very strange. And the way you go through life, you have to take what God gives you. And there's a reason behind it. There's a reason why I didn't go in Vietnam. But God knows you could talk to my partners. Every time there's a guy with a gun locked in a room with the with, when they raped the nun, the, the little scumbag was in the apartment. We went right through the door. We didn't call for emergency service. Guys shooting in the basement at us. We went, we grabbed the guy. My whole point is that when a guy shoots at you also five times, maybe 10 feet from you, why didn't those bullets hit me? I had no vest on. And the guy throws the gun down and says, you got me. I said, I got you. I got him right to Metropolitan Hospital. I busted his head. And if they had a video camera, they would have gotten me. They probably would have locked me up for beating this guy into the ground. The guy shot at me five times. He wanted to kill me. But no one can understand what's in a cop's mind when he's going through this kind of things. And I support all the cops out there. And they're going such a difficult time. Now we're crying about cops going from 43,000 to 53,000. Oh, really? Well, the one really? guy, the, the, well, the one guy that's not crying about that, the one guy that actually took it to AOC yeah. about that is set to join me in about 14 minutes. And that is well, our mutual friend, the mayor, Eric Adams. Well, you want to know something? I love it. And you know what? I still support Eric Adams. And you want to know something? The reality is that's garbage money. They, we should be paying cops at least $100,000 a year. And you want to know something? We could probably do it for one-third less cops because these cops would be out there doing their job. They don't have to work a second job. You don't want to know if you want professionalism, you got to pay for it. We want them to be judges, juries, and everything else. Let's go to a couple. I got one very important topic I don't want to miss, but let's just go through this Cleveland, Texas thing with this little scumbag that killed five people. Did you know he was deported four times, this little Francisco Opesa? Yeah. I hope that they, they find him. I hope he has a gun in his hand, and I hope they uh, judge and jury put him into Never Never Land. This punk four times, then he shot that little, killed that little eight-year-old boy alone with four others. This is disgusting. This is, our, this is our border. Instead of everybody talking nonsense, we have such a horrible thing going on. I guarantee you there's at least 10 million illegals running around this country, and a lot of them are criminals. Do we get it? Of course. Criminals. And, and by the way, it's, it's, it's about to get exponentially worse in 11 days when Title 42 comes to an end. At yeah. least with Title 42, Trump made sure, along with obviously building a wall and securing the border, they couldn't come in. That's about to go away. And this lying bastard, Mayorkas, trying to convince Chuck Todd and the audience on Sunday that Title 8 even compares to Title 42, this guy, Mayorkas, should be put in prison today. Today. Oh, this, is, this is a friggin' war 
run. And, you know, to revert back to the city being uh, the mayor coming in, I'd like to know what his feelings are because we got a real contest in New York City going on. Who's the worst DA? I thought their DA Bragg was. Yeah, he's got close competition. This other one, Darcel Clark from the Bronx. She has the lowest murder conviction rate and turns down more attempted murder and sex assault cases than all the other combined. This is this woman, Darcel. She looks like uh, Michael Strahan with the space in her teeth. Not a very pretty woman. She's got that big space in her teeth like Michael Strahan, and she's the worst conviction rate dismal. What is his feelings about that? I'd love you to ask him about the non-prosecution of these attempted murders and these sex assaults. Poor Bronx. I've worked up the Bronx when I was in street crime unit. All over. These poor people are being disgraced and, and taken down. I'm not worried about stolen cars. I'm worried about the people being killed. I'm worried about the people being robbed. Let's get our priorities straight out there, and let's stop color-coding it right now. And it's horrible. Now I'm in for my scary part of the segment because I want people to listen up to me now. I understand a lot of people think that I don't do my research. Right now, we have a really major threat. I've talked about it before. That top top, C, uh, top C, secret CIA intelligence guy we just posted that that 21-year-old, your friend, the kid, Jack Texeri, the kid, yeah, the kid, the sheriff, revealed yeah. that China's building cyber weapons to hack and hijack our American satellites. You know what this is all about? This is that they're building these satellites with lasers where they can go and they take out our satellites. Now, how important are these satellites? During the 1991 Gulf War, we were controlled completely. Movements and every retaliatory tax, they could catch missiles in the air. But just just remember what we rely on with satellites. Water management, power grid, monitoring, broadband access, along with communications. How about banking and education and telemedicine? Google Maps. We have 31 satellites flown by the U.S. Space Force at about 12,500 miles up. During wartime, our troops completely rely on GPS for operations. China concluded by attacking our satellites, which they have the capabilities. Now, here's the real shaking one. They just reported there are over 700 Chinese satellites flying around with capabilities that have lasers on them. And our chief, General Chance, of the Armed Services Subcommittee said they target our satellites, and then General Hayden came in of our Joint Chiefs of Staff. He told reporters, our satellites are like big, fat turkeys sitting there, and they take them out. And once they take them out, you can't turn your TV on, you can't go in your car, and you try to fly your F-35 with no GPS. Do we understand what I'm saying right now? And why this should be the most important thing in the world, that we get our arms around it. Hypersonic missiles. Okay, China has them in Russia. We don't have them. I talked to my nephew the other day. We're developing. Right now, we have an aircraft carrier, $14 billion, with over 60, uh, 80 fighter jets on it. They can send three hypersonic missiles at that aircraft carrier and take it out and kill all those all those Navy sailors and all those pilots. Do we understand what they're talking about? No, nah, listen, we, we, we do. And that's why uh, Gordon Chang is going to join me this morning at 840. That's why Gordon Chang has pretty much become a weekly guest on this show because he and I talk about that, but as you know, all the time, the grids, the satellites, and just how easily China can shut down our entire nation. And at least according to Gordon, and it sounds like you right now, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. As always, Bo, you're amazing. You're great. Mr. New York, I love you to pieces. We'll do it again live in studio on Thursday. Have a safe trip to Virginia, and congratulations, buddy. It's a huge honor.
Thank you. Thank you, Sid, and I'll be on Thursday. All right, buddy. Congratulations. Bo Deedle going to speak at the University of Virginia. Big deal. Later on this morning, that wraps up our first two hours of our Tuesday broadcast. Still to come, actor Peter Gordio. He needs your vote. He's coming up at 925, trying to get on the cover of Muscle and Fitness magazine. He's winning right now. Coming up at 905, he's on WABC every weekend in Fox Business. The brilliant Larry Kudlow. 840, the aforementioned Gordon Chang. But coming up next, the mayor of New York City. His first appearance on this show in almost five weeks. My buddy Eric Adams is coming up next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. I want to ask you about the migrants um, who keep coming. The mayor says that Texas is about to resume busing asylum seekers to New York. Uh, the state budget allocates a billion dollars, which is, is is quite a lot. Is that going to be an annual appropriation, as far as you can? Well, see? let's see if we can get the the problem under control here. I, mean, I just spoke to the mayor. This is very much top of mind for both of us. I spoke for the countless time speaking to Washington about why we can't get work permits for these individuals, just like we did for Afghan and refugees from other countries and people from Ukraine. They come here with a certain status. They're eligible to start working. When you have the unemployment rate we have, we have so many employers who will take people to work in hospitality and you know, work. There's so many jobs waiting to be filled. Mm. So we think that that's the answer. Washington has a difference of opinion, so I'm pushing for more money for the city from the federal government. This is a federal problem. I told the mayor, you know, we're very sympathetic to what he's having to deal with, and he's making the best of a really bad situation, and we're partnering with him. Okay. Money for National Guard, money for shelters. Uh, there's requirements for health care. There's all kind legal services so they can start the application process to become a legal citizen. Gordon Lightfoot, if you could read my mind, he passed away yesterday at the age of 84 years old. Rest in peace, Gordon Lightfoot. And, of course, the voice before that you heard was Governor Kathy Hochul talking about the new budget. With that said, here he is, the mayor of New York City, my friend Eric Adams, back for the first time in about a month. Man, you've been busy, Eric Adams. How you doing, brother? It's a big city, brother, big city. And if you could read my mind, you realize. <laughs> how big this city is. But listen, Gordon Lightfoot was uh, 
you know, it's all about, you know, moving in the right direction, you know, and that was great music for a time where I think music is no longer he was enjoyable. Great. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I liked him too. He played about two or three songs this morning, and again, he passed away yesterday at the age of 84. Hey, did you go to the uh, the MetLife Gala last night? I didn't see you there. No, no, busy as hell last night. I had a lot going on and wasn't able to get there. But, you know, it brings a lot of money to the city. And so it's so important. I went to the literacy uh, gala where they're raising a great deal of money for childhood literacy. And there's a, a number of organizations this week that I attended their events that are really looking into dyslexia and other childhood learning disabilities. And I wanted to make sure I supported them. And I had a few to attend. Oh, that's uh, a big deal. I mean, look, uh, we, everybody knows who's friendly with you like me and others that You've got dyslexia. One of the reasons why you get along so well with my son, Gabriel, you've got dyslexia. He's got dyspraxia. And you guys seem to uh, really bond on a level about that. So that's a big deal. Congratulations. I will say that uh, I didn't see AOC there last night, but uh, you've been having a pretty public battle with her dating back to last week when she was all over you because you had the nerve to give the cops a raise. So congrats on that one, Pat Russo. All the cops said, hey, tell the mayor thank you very much and uh, keep fighting AOC because you're right on this one. And like most things, she's wrong again. Well, you know, the name of the game is focus. Uh, I know what it takes to run a city. And one of the most important things is to make sure your city is safe. And you can't have police officers on the front line and then they have to go home and worry about how do they put food on the table? That makes no sense. And that matches um, how we looked after the D.C. 37 workers as well, well our largest municipal union. Uh, these are the men and women who are full service workers in the, in the schools, of uh, school crossing guards. Uh, all of these uh, things that happen in our city do not happen automatically. And we cannot uh, treat our you know, blue-collar workers uh, unfairly and just ignore the fact that they're making sure the city com- continues to run every day. No, again, they, they did deserve a raise, and uh, I'm glad you did do that. Actually, they deserve more. I know you know that, but there's just so much money right now that you've got. So I do want to get, uh, Eric, to today's New York Post cover. Adams claims it's racist for Texas to bus migrants to New York. Now, one of the reasons why you and I get along so well, you're a Democrat mayor. I'm a Trump-supporting Republican radio host. We know that, Daily News. Um, and we have a lot of things in common. But one of the reasons why we get along is we're not afraid to tell each other how we really feel. And i got to be honest, I'm sick of hearing that word racist. And i got to tell you something, Eric. When people start to use that word racist every time something doesn't go their way, sometimes they are uh, unfairly labeled racist themselves. This isn't racism. This is about a different color than black. It's called blue. Every one of these cities, whether it's Denver or D.C. or New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, they're Democrat cities. has nothing to do with black people, white people. It's called Democrat policies. So I don't like it when you use that word. I really don't because what it does is it dilutes what real racism is, and this is more political than it is black or white. And I know you know that. Well, I think first uh, there needs to be a level of accuracy in what my comments were, because if you look at my comments, and that's why I put out a written statement, I didn't use the term racist. What I did was show the facts. 
We have 108,000 cities in America, 108,000. Many of them are Democratic cities. But where did Abbott send the migrants? To New York, to Chicago, to Denver, to Los Angeles, to Houston, to Washington. Each one of those cities are run by black mayors, each one of them. So if he could have, he passed over thousands of cities to make his way to uh, cities that are run by black mayors. So when you look at the facts, you have to scratch your head and say we couldn't find any cities in route to make his political statement. Well, what if I said to you that's where these migrants wanted to go? Because the truth is, uh, Mayor Adams, and I give you credit, you know, you've called out Joe Biden by name. That took a lot of guts. I'm going to give you credit. But the truth is, it's his policy that's doing this. And on one hand, you know, you call out Biden by name. And on the other hand, I, I, I understand there's a right to shelter. But in some of these cities, they take it to another extreme. Fancy hotels, free meals, Xbox. What if I told you the migrants wanted to go to those cities because those black mayors treat those people better than maybe they should be treated? Well, first, first of all, that is not accurate. accurate. When you look at this crisis that we're facing, it is not the people, it's the policies that are creating the crisis. When you look at how this was done, particularly in Texas, they had and informed the asylum seekers, if you want to go to any other city, you have to pay. But if you want to go to New York, we will send send you there for free. And so there was a clear target on these cities. Now, we're going to do what we're supposed to do, like we've always done from immigrants that came through Ellis Island from all over the globe. That is what our city is. But it's unfair to target another city, another municipality. We should be working in conjunction how to deal with the failures on the Republican side for not doing real immigration reform and on the failures of the White House for not having a real plan of addressing this crisis that is hitting our city. Well, let's talk about unfair for a second, because you know your stuff, Eric, okay? Um, when Donald Trump was president and, you you know, you're the Biden of Brooklyn, you like Biden, that's fine. That's okay. That's a democracy. <laughs> but when Trump was president, what you can't argue is we had none of these issues. He was building a wall. He had folks there that were making sure these people weren't crossing the border. There were zero border issues in four years. And, oh, my God, a Democrat Biden takes over, and now the world is on fire. It's a complete mess. That's fine. Don't you think it's a bit unfair that four states in particular, Texas, Arizona, California, New Mexico, these border states have to deal with the brunt of all this? What about equal distribution to the rest of the cities? If anything's unfair, it's those four states, uh, Mr. Mayor, that have to deal with this. I mean, for all the people we've got here, that's a pimple on the butt compared to what Abbott deals with in Texas every day. You know that. No, to to the contrary, I said, and first I want to talk about the fairness of those cities. I'm I'm with you 100%. El Paso shouldn't go through this. Brownsville, Texas shouldn't go through this. Uh, None of these cities should be experiencing this. This is a national problem, and national leaders should be addressing it. I was happy that Senator Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries, the leader of the Democratic Party, both the Senator Schumer and Hemp, was able to allocate money to deal with what's happening here, but we need more. 
But the problem is when you do a close examination that I communicate with my mayors across the country, and I'm very clear. No city should be carrying the burden of a national problem. It's unfair to our cities. We're already dealing with crises coming out of COVID, and I stand with the mayors of all of these cities and say none of them should have to experience this, what we're seeing. What about these city council members, Tiffany Caban, Mayor Adams, that's out there? She's got a pamphlet where she tells little kids, yeah, some cops are okay, but a lot of cops are really bad. And there are cops out there that are killing brown and black people for doing the same thing white people do. Vito Pasella, for example, I know you like Vito and Joe Borelli. They were on John Katzmatidi's show yesterday, and they said, wouldn't it be nice if some of these members like Tiffany Caban no longer got to enjoy police coming to their house when they're in trouble. Now, cops won't do that. You're a former cop, Eric. You know, you guys are too good-natured. You wouldn't do that. But I don't know about you. I've had enough. I'm sick and tired of people like Tiffany Caban, people in our own city council in New York, bad-mouthing police to the point that they do. I, I, I agree 100%. Uh, you are you're one hundred percent correct, and when you think about uh, some of the comments going after the men and women who put their lives on the line, I, it's just to think. You know what I was told as a child, uh, uh, Eric. If you have a problem, you go over to that police officer. You go over because he's going to do what is right, and for someone to take uh, those who cross the line and do what is wrong and give it the appearance that the thousands of officers that are running towards violence to keep us safe uh, are all uh, bad people. That is just wrong. It's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong seed to plant in our children, and it can be actually harmful uh, to our children as they grow up. Two more, and we'll let you run. Uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, has always really kind up to spend a lot of time with me here. So, Eric, you heard me play that uh, piece from Kathy Hochul. And there's a lot of folks in this city that uh, give you credit. They really believe that you were in Hochul's ear quite a bit leading up to this new budget, specifically to help with the bail reform. Now, there are some liberal outlets that are claiming, well, you know, there was a victory there. When you and I know full well, there really wasn't. The truth is judges don't get enough discretion still the dangerousness clause is still not there. So the victory they're talking about is minuscule. Not your fault, not Kathy Hochul's fault, but what do you think the outcome of the budget, specifically bail reform, what's your thoughts on how that ended up? Well, I, I, I stated over and over again on the program, and that's why I have to take a real continuous role of educating uh, the public. It's more than that bumper sticker slogan of bail reform. We have a broken criminal justice system where we don't have uh, people able to get through it to seek justice on those who are are accused of a crime and those who are victims of of crimes. We must allow a swift, thorough movement of justice. Too many people have to wait too long to do so. We don't use technology enough to expedite cases of we, we're losing district attorneys, we're losing defense attorneys, we're losing probation officers, and losing police officers as well. The 
infrastructure of our public safety apparatus right now is being challenged, and we need to confront, confront it to make sure we do not destabilize the safety of our, of our city. So it's more than just a bail reform. We were able to uh, get the least restrictive, which is important, but I say over and over again, Sid, there are many rivers that feed the sea of violence, and we have to, do, we have to dam each river, and we dam the one during this process. And so just as uh, I speak with the governor, the governor speaks with me. She has been a partner uh, on many levels. She, she was the one that helped us with the safety, subway safety plan to get those cops in the subway to stabilize the violence we were standing in the subway when I came into office. And I will continue to work with her and those who in Albany, the leaders that made these necessary adjustments, we communicated throughout the year. And we're going to continue to do so. Let's end this on a high note, uh, Mayor Eric Adams. The numbers have come back, and the crime number is again going uh, your way, the city's way, which is good news. Outside, I guess, of stealing cars and catalytic converters. And <laughs> that brings us uh, to you with the air tags. And some people said, oh, my God, this is so Orwellian. It's like 1984. They're going to put tags on our cars. They're going to know where I am, who I'm out to dinner with. It's basically like a lojack on a human being. I know you've heard that criticism, yes? <laughs> well, first of all, I keep saying over and over, this is New York City, 8.8 million people, 35 million opinions. You know, so no matter what you do, uh, if you tell someone happy birthday, they'll curse you out because the birthday was a day earlier. (laughs) Well, by the way, you did wish me a happy birthday a day late last week. (laughs) (laughs) You know, remember what I said over and over again, Sid? We're going to use technology to run the city better, every level of technology. And think about it. You make a $40,000 investment in a vehicle. You take a $30 air tag, place it in that vehicle somewhere. Someone steals it. It notifies you on your phone. Police are able to identify right away where that vehicle is. You can uh, actually find that vehicle within 15, 20 minutes of it being stolen. That's just smart. That's a mayor that uses drones, uses robotic dogs, uh, uses all forms of technology to run our city smarter. And I'm going to continue to do that. And so the naysayers are going to be pleased when they see the productivity of using the technology that I'm using. I would like to see you put those air tags on recidivists rather than cars. <laughs> <laughs> so we know where those well, bastards you know what? are. <laughs> That may not be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother, I know you, uh, you're you busy, and uh, you give me this time every couple of weeks. You know I appreciate it. So thank you for coming on. It was it was a, it was a, uh, a good conversation. We kind of both uh, discussed some very important topics from our points of view, and that's what's great about this segment. And if we're ever going to improve this city, we've got to keep doing stuff like that. So God bless you, Eric. Well, thank you. Well, Give my regards to my little guy. You got it, pal. You got it. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. There he is, Mayor Eric Adams, right here on the Sid Rosenberg Show, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. And I am getting text messages from folks saying, way to go, Sid, way to hold his feet to the fire, which I did. I don't think there's any question when it came to the migrant crisis that I certainly held his feet to the fire. Some of you will still complain, but that's okay. Like uh, the mayor just said, there's 8 million people in this city and 7 million aren't all that bright. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Paperback novel, 
Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. enjoyed it they said hey that's how you do it disagree and he's coming back that's how you do it this is not the business where you piss somebody off with a hang up and go f you we clearly disagreed on a large portion of that conversation but that's okay because as much as i disagreed with eric on some of the issues moments ago that's how much i'm going to agree with president trump when he joins me on this show a week from tomorrow countdown is eight eight days same exact time as the mayor, 8.05 next Wednesday morning. Also, about 15 minutes, President Trump coming up next Wednesday. I do want to make mention my uh, dear friend, Charlie Marino. I love Charlie a lot. And he lost his sister. I've told you this uh, before. His sister died about a month ago, Loretta Marino Ortiz. And he's got a ton of friends. I mean, a ton here in New York, from Vinnie Viola to a lot of folks I thought you guys know. And he's got a memorial mass coming up for his sister, May the 20th. It's at St. Helen's Church, which, of course, is on 83rd Street in Howard Beach. That's 1045 that morning, May the 20th. So, um, well, check that out for uh, Charlie Marino, his uh, sister. And now it's time for Noam. Good morning, Noam. Good morning, Mr. Sidney. How are you, buddy? I'm doing just fine, thank you. Okay. So, oh, by the way, nice job with the mayor. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I I got something here from somebody Mm -hmm. who wanted to make sure that I talked about these pamphlets. Which pamphlets are those? Well, the uh, Tiffany Caban pamphlets. Oh. You know, she put these out, and two days later, an FDNY EMS lieutenant was stabbed to death in her council district. On that pamphlet, it said her public safety team put the pamphlet together. Well, I did. I mentioned the pamphlet. Not only did I mention the pamphlet, but the mayor agreed with me that Tiffany Caban's comments were unacceptable and disgusting. So uh, this goes to Paul Maddox. Uh, Hopefully Paul was listening. Sure he was. Not only did I mention Tiffany Caban and the pamphlets, but I got the mayor to agree. So it's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Oh, by the way, someone's really mad with us. The mayor's happy with us, but um, Who's mad? I was going to do this, but I forgot about this. Oh. Uh, so yesterday you and I were talking about Tony Danza. 
because yeah. Tony Danza had Tony sort of Danza, okay. had slapped this guy yeah. silly on the red carpet at the opening of the Broadway Is show. Is Tony in New York, mad at us? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know he's mad? <laughs> they got back to me. But he, well, you know, listen, he, he and I have this kind of love-hate thing anyway. Right. And he has said some stuff not so nice about me in the past. He'll deny it. He'll be like, oh, I barely know Sid. He's lying. But I can tell you that I've got a, a large collection of friends who I love dearly. Some of them live in Queens, some in Brooklyn. They're not big Tony Danza fans. So I was just sharing what I had heard about Tony. But he's such a sensitive little baby. Apparently. That I'm not surprised. Yeah. Who cares? So, uh, yeah, he's F him. He wasn't, Tony Danza. He wasn't happy with Tony Danza. What's he going to do about it? I, no, you know, exactly. He used to box 30 years ago, but it kicked my ass easily. But at this point, I got him. <laughs> right, he's like 80, isn't he? He looks pretty good. But no, yeah. he looks good. He's 72. He can still dance. He can still sing. He's yeah. a talented guy, but he's no. a baby. I don't care if he's mad. Fine. Hop on the on the line. Yeah. God. <laughs> uh, Uber released its um, annual list of items forgotten by passengers in cars. So, like, it's the normal stuff usually that's on the list, like uh, phones, wallets, keys, jewelry, you know, normal stuff, headphones, people live behind in an Uber, but um, they sent me this list of the strangest things that were found, some of these in a city cabs over the last six months. Um, a Danny DeVito Christmas ornament. By the way, none of this stuff was claimed. What? A Danny DeVito Christmas ornament. Who sells that? I don't know. I want one. A fire sword. Hmm. A remote-controlled vibrator. Oh, hey now. Yeah. yeah. Chicken wings. Okay, that's not so weird. Yeah, six a- cheesecakes. Uh, painted rate or uh, rat traps, mm. uh, an important pregnancy test that never got back. You know, as you're reading this whole list, right? As entertaining as it is, all I want to do is punch Tony Danza across the face. <laughs> it's like it's, it's now it's bothering me that he's bothered. Right? Like, what are you bothered about? Like, this is your, this is how people feel about you. Well, this is the story I was told that either he was listening or it he got wasn't back listening, to him, or it got back. He to wasn't him. listening. He's a Democrat, isn't he? Uh, I think he is. And, yeah. I, and a lot of his friends are my friends, except they like me and they don't like him. So, gee, Tony Danza. Can I tell you a funny story about Tony Danza? Well, that finish, I what, what, what else did they find in the car? I'm just curious. Oh, uh, But my wife checks in and goes, who cares about Tony Danza? Oh, she did say that? Okay, <laughs> so we'll back. move on. Yeah. Back, back to my vindictive thing. That's <laughs> no, no, I'm not vindictive. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do anything bad. If I was vindictive... You'd go search him out. Right. And then okay. I'd tell all of his friends, and which... You know, the, how, how bad he was on TV. Which I may do. I don't yeah, know. Still kind of Falling down yeah. starring Sid Rosenberg. Yeah. <laughs> well, he wasn't the star of Taxi, I'll tell you that. He was. He did a good job. We're getting there. See, yeah. here it comes. Let me get back on track. Who's the boss is overrated anyway? <laughs> and no one's a bigger douche than Alyssa Milano. <laughs> wow. Now that I think about it, I hate all his shows. <laughs> I'm kidding. God, what? what? Uh, dentures, a lightsaber, a uh, bag of weed, of course. Oh, that must have been Alex uh, Camp. A uh, Gucci loafer. Sorry. The list goes on and on. So I was talking to this Uber driver yesterday because, you know, there's this whole rating system, which is really vital to you getting an Uber if you uh, hail one on your phone. So here's what uh, Louis had to say about his own Uber rating. Since I've been working with Uber for a year and a half, I am a four point, I believe it's a 4.5 uh, rating I have now with Uber. Uh, as far as, you know, one time, rating. I'm sorry, but one time yeah. I went to a, um, a concert. Right. I'm sorry, I just... It was, it was with Tony Danza or by <laughs> well, himself? I was there, but I, it was with my wife, actually, and Stephen Van Zant, and uh, my friend James Orsini and a bunch of others. 
and we went to see Sebastian Maniscalco, a great comic, at Radio City. Just so happened that was the show that they put on Netflix. I think Danielle was in it. I'm not sure. But uh, Tony that night had, like, front row seats because he's good friends with Sebastian. He's got the whole Italian thing going, you know. And I walk up to him to say hello, and he, like, he barely, he wouldn't even say hello back. He just hmm. barely, he gave me nothing. And I walk back to my seat, and I'm like, you know, Tony Danza, what's up with him? Some days he's nice when I see him. And, like, that night he gave me nothing. Like, hey, I'm the big star. I'm sitting front row. Like, I care, you know. So that was another time. Wow. At the you Sebastian the... Maniscalco concert that I couldn't stand, Tony. <laughs> the list goes on and well, on. Well, just saying. Were you saying something? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was. But we, could just, we could just skip and talk about Tony Danza. <laughs> no, that's, that would be silly. How would I do that? You have no choice. It's no, going to happen again. No, just, I, I'm not really bothered by the whole thing. I just. Yeah, you're not bothered. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Sure. What did Tony Danza leave him, the kid? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did he leave? His talent? <laughs> 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 He left his talent in the camp. That's funny. Look what I found. I got a 4.2 now. (laughs) 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 All right, wrap this up. Is that it? So I was going to tell you, you know, you get rated as well. Yes. 7.5 yesterday. Oh, that's true. Well, ratings of the radio. I'm talking about (laughs) ratings of Uber. Oh, ratings, Uber ratings. Yeah. 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 (laughs) She could pay attention. I I can keep going, but it really doesn't matter at this point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was a great report. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Yeah, it's one of the better ones I've done, actually. <laughs> All right. We got uh, Gordon Chang is on hold. This Sudan thing has become a huge story. And, of course, China, Russia. We got to talk to Gordon Chang. And then Larry Kudlow. Talk about two of the smartest guys you'll ever meet. How's that in succession? Gordon Chang, Larry Kudlow, Peter Gordio, my friend, the great actor. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Been a big show already. Bo Dito, the mayor, Eric Adams. We're going to talk to Cudlow, Larry Cudlow. Today's an important conversation with Cudlow. That whole debt ceiling issue looming very large now, folks. Big meeting coming up at the White House. Biden, Schumer, Jeffries on the left, McConnell, McCarthy on the right. And uh, June 1st, not that long away, as Janet Yellen was yelling yesterday, we default on that debt ceiling. We got a big issue, big issue. So I know the House passed something last week that extended it just a bit, but they're trying to reduce spending as well, and I'm not sure how to do that. So we'll talk to Larry Kudlow coming up. But my next guest is as smart as it gets. Any world affair you discuss, you go to him first. Check out his Twitter. It's great. Gordon G. Chang. Gordon G. Chang. Here he is, a good friend of mine, really good friend of mine, Gordon Chang. Good morning, Gordo. Good morning, Sid, and thank you so much. It's uh, always great having you. You're very, very welcome. You know, last night here in New York was the Met Gala, and Brittany Griner, the WNBA star for the Phoenix Mercury, went to the Met Gala last night. They made a big deal about it here in New York, Gordon. Of course, we know that not that long ago, Joe Biden made this disastrous deal, this Bo Bergdahl-type deal, to bring Griner back to the States, which I'm happy about, in exchange for this arms dealer. 
But the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, yesterday did spend a bunch of time talking about the other Americans that are still being detained in Russia. For example, the Marine who we left behind, and now most uh, lately this journalist who was still there. So while Brittany Griner was celebrating at the Met Gala last night, we still got a bunch of Americans that Putin's holding on to as basically pawns in this game of chess. Isn't that right, Gordon? Absolutely right. And the fact that Brittany Griner is walking around the Met Gala in New York means that they grabbed the Wall Street Journal reporter Gersovich um, because, you know, when you um, pay for hostages, which is really what we did, um, they take more hostages. So um, this is a direct result of Biden policy. I got to tell you, I'm seeing these numbers coming back, too. They're saying that about 100,000 Russian casualties since December. Of course, the Kremlin has denied that. But this war Putin's got going on in Ukraine, you talk about a disaster. And maybe that's part of the reason why I don't fear Putin like some of my political friends here in the States do. Like, I'm not bending over backwards to appease Zelensky and the Ukrainians because I don't think Putin knows what he's doing. The idea of him actually taking over Poland and these other countries, how's he going to do it? He can't win this war. He's been inept. Yes, he has been, but um, he can recover and he can actually achieve what he says, which is basically uh, reconstituting the Russian Empire by annexing neighbors. Yeah, but let me you know, ask you this. What, what makes you so confident he can recover? This war is going on for almost 15 months. They haven't held one, not one major city yet. How? Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not confident that he can do it. But remember, when you have leaders like this who tell us what they're going to do, you have to listen to them. Now, this is a setback. It's a huge setback, but he hasn't necessarily lost this war yet. And one of the reasons he hasn't lost the war is that the Biden administration is just trying to manage it. It's not trying to go for victory. Um, And one of the reasons why the Biden administration is not going for victory is because they're worried that Putin will actually use his nuclear weapons. If he uses his nuclear weapons, he changes the course of history, and actually he can prevail in Ukraine. So this isn't done yet. If he uses his nuclear weapons, he just signed a suicide deal. I mean, I know he's crazy, really crazy, like insane. But is he suicidal? I'm not sold on that. Well, you know, Sid, um, when you have a desperate leader, um, his threshold of risk is really low, and they can do things um, that can take us by surprise. That's the real risk here. And we know that, look, we know that Biden has um, been intimidated by Putin's use of nukes. The, the Chinese know that as well. And so this is just spreading the problem to East Asia. And that's why this is so dangerous now, because the Chinese can see Biden reacting to what um, Putin's threats. So the Chinese make their own threats to use nukes. And so did the North Koreans. The North Koreans always used to say, well, yeah, of course, we'll use our nuclear weapons to defend ourselves. But they've now started to say they'll preemptively use them. And that, I think, is a direct result of Putin getting what he wants with his threats. Correct me if I'm wrong. The last time the North Koreans made that threat, not that long ago, I think last week, it wasn't even Kim Jong-un. It was his sister, right? Kim Yo-jong. Yeah. Kim Yo-jong is um, his sister. Um, She is a trusted policy advisor. She has become extremely important. Sometimes she's less important, sometimes more important, but she's at the center of power.
<laughs> That's unbelievable. Tell me about these uh, hypersonic missiles. My dear friend Bo Deedle, very smart guy, cop. He's on twice a week. You know Bo Gordon, and he's freaked out about the Chinese. He's desperately afraid, and he's right that one of these days they're going to shut down all grids and satellites and no water, no power, none of that. And he also talked about this fear of hypersonic missiles. Talk about both of those, Chinese, the hypersonic missiles, and the fact that they are ready, willing, and most dangerously able to shut down our electric and water grid anytime they want. Yes, this surge in Chinese migrants across our southern border um, uh, Michael Yan, the great war correspondent, who's at the Darien Gap, that's the place, the 66 miles of in, almost impassable jungle between Colombia and Panama. He's seeing um, increasing large numbers of Chinese males of military age unattached to family groups. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that some of them are Ministry of State security agents. Others are Chinese military. That means the first day of a war in Asia, even if we're not ostensibly involved, we're going to see those saboteurs um, attack our grid, poison our water, assassinate American mayors and police. Oh, my God. Detonate bombs. This is going to be a war <laughs> on U.S. soil. They're not going to be holding Met Galas anymore. <laughs> after this. And, again, I, I know that um, some folks, you know, a lot of my folks that listen to this show believe it and they're scared. Others are like, oh, my God, he's so dramatic, that Gordon Shine. He's cute. He's so dramatic. Uh, give me a timeline for the folks that take this really seriously and are worried this is not only a possibility but a probability, what you just talked about, assassinating folks in the streets. Give me a timeline. Yeah, it can occur any time. Um, you know, General Mike Minahan, the Air Force's chief of the Air Mobility Command, said that he believed that we would be at war with China, quote, by 2025. Now, here's the good news, though. You say by 2025, okay? So a week from tomorrow, Gordon, I hope you're going to listen, President Trump is coming on with me. It's the first time in like five years. And I have heard President Trump say more than once over the last couple of months, when he wins in 2024, one day, Gordon, not a month, not a year, one day Ukraine-Russia is over, and Ping, he's going to put him right in his place. Is that hyperbole, or do you think Donald Trump can do something like that? Um, he certainly can and will put uh, Xi Jinping in his place on day one. I don't know if he can end the war of U- on Ukraine by day one, but, um, uh, you know, Trump can do a lot of things that um, have just astounded uh, his friends and his detractors. So why can't Biden, if Trump can do all these things, and he did it, not he can do them, Patrick McEnroe, he did it for four years. Why can't Biden just read the same script? I mean, What's more important at the end of the day, going against Trump or being remembered as a decent leader? I think there are a lot of reasons why Biden won't do it. One of them is that he believes that China actually is not an enemy or even an adversary. Um, He just believes China is a competitor. He wants China's cooperation on climate change, which he sees as a paramount goal. Um, And also um, in Biden, you can see, especially in the Middle East, um, Biden adopts policies that uh, undercut the extremely successful policies of Trump in the Middle East, the Abraham Accords, yeah. which were a historic achievement. Just Biden wants to just say, well, I'm not Trump, and so I'm going to do everything opposite. Right. The Trump supporters say two things about Biden. One is, like you just said, yes, anything Trump did well, he's going to look to ruin it. And secondly, he's compromised. Bottom line, Hunter Biden. I mean, this is about to... 
The S is about to hit the fan here, Gordon. These House Republicans, they're going after Hunter. Something there'll be an indictment sometime soon. Maybe not on all these real charges, something small. But we know China, Russia, Ukraine, the Bidens had their hands in all these countries. So he's a compromised president. Do you believe that goes into some of his decision making? Yeah, I I do believe it. Um, I also believe that uh, Biden is worried about being blackmailed by China because of Hunter Biden's activities, which I'm sure the Chinese have video and audio recordings of. You know, the Chinese may not have actually blackmailed the president of the United States, but I believe the president of the United States is worried that he can be blackmailed by his son's behavior. Mm. And, of course, there's the money. In March, Hunter Biden's legal team actually admitted to corruption in my book because they said, look, the Chinese gave him good faith seed funds, quote unquote. That's an admission of corruption because there's no corruption is the only explanation for the Chinese providing millions to the Biden family in those circumstances. And what about these satellites, China and the satellites? But how uh, how much of a danger is that? Does that pose to America? Well, China is far ahead of us in being able to take down American satellites, and they're going to do that on the first day of the war or maybe the day before the war starts. Um, So you're going to see the United States being blinded, and it's not just military satellites they're going going to go after. Your GPS in your car just ain't going to work. Um, You know, everything is going to go down. And the Chinese are going to be really good at this because the Chinese and the Russians have been able to develop this. And we have, as a matter of policy, starting in the Obama administration, decided not to develop anti-satellite weapons. And so we're really rushing to catch up. This is another policy failure. Is, uh, is the number correct about 700 of these satellites that are basically sitting ducks for the Chinese? Um, I don't know the number. Um, Only the people in the classified realm would have, I think, access to any or estimate of that sort. But, yeah, that sounds about right. Let me get to Sudan. That's another major story. We, um, United States, went in and uh, got a whole bunch of folks out, starting with the politicians. There have been some uh, just regular folk, if you want to call them that, civilians. They've been uh, also uh, evacuated, but there's still a whole bunch of Americans in Sudan, and I don't think most Americans, Gordon, are following this that closely. They have no idea why Americans are even in danger there. What exactly is going on in Sudan that has led to these evacuations? Yeah. Uh, the military is fighting a paramilitary group, the Rapid Support Force for Control of the Country. That started April 15th. Um, fighting has broken out in other places besides Khartoum. It looks like a civil war. Um, and uh, Russia's uh, Wagner Group, the uh, mercenaries, they're supporting um, the paramilitary, paramilitary RSF. Now, Russia's not paying the um, Wagners. And the question is, you know, they're not even paying Wagner in, in, in Ukraine. They can't <laughs> supply him with shells. Yeah. So the question is, why is the Wagner Group supporting one of the two parties in this um, civil war? And the answer is China is paying Wagner mercenaries. And that means that China is going to end up with a naval base on the Red Sea, which means China will be able to control shipping in and out of the Suez Canal, which means that this is another failure of American diplomacy. Why we're allowing China to do this, I have no idea. But the Biden administration just doesn't seem to care. One more. I know we're just about a week out, maybe two weeks from closing down that Chinese police station down by Canal Street here in New York City. We saw that picture, of course, of that uh, 
Chinese gentleman standing in between Chuck Schumer and Mayor Eric Adams. I mean, and I actually believe Schumer and Adams. They didn't realize who this guy was when they took those, those that money. But uh, more importantly, the police station was closed down. But we know that wasn't the only one. So where do you think that problem lies? Well, the problem lies, and, and this is not just Biden, but it is Biden. It goes back to Obama, maybe even Bush. We've allowed Chinese Ministry of State security agents and Chinese consular officials to grossly violate our sovereignty. We've allowed uh, the MSS agents to commit crimes without um, punishment. So, of course, the Chinese felt they could open up formal police stations on our soil. Um, so this is a failure of leadership. It's bipartisan, liberals and conservatives, Republicans and Democrats. But Biden knows about the six other police stations. He hasn't closed them down. And the question is, why did not why did we not learn of any of these police stations from the FBI or Biden? We learned them from Safeguard Defenders, a Spanish based NGO. Uh, we learned it from The New York Post. You know, instead of the FBI, maybe we should be. <laughs> you know, supporting the New York Post. <laughs> hey, listen, they've broken every big story, Miranda Devine and Michael Goodwin, whether it's, you know, overnight flights to airports in New York City, the migrants, Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter Biden, seems the Devine, Goodwin, the New York Post break all these. So on the way out, we've discussed the Sudan, we've discussed Russia, China, the Ukraine, North Korea, all these countries. Is there some, maybe Saudi Arabia, is there somebody else out there right now that Americans, politicians, and civilians should be keeping their eyes on that could, in fact, pose a major issue for the United States not too far down the road. Morocco and Algeria. Really? Morocco is um, American friend going, actually, the, probably the first country that diplomatically recognized the United States. China and Russia are supporting Algeria in their attempts to break apart Morocco. Morocco signed one of those Abraham Accords. We gave promises to Rabat in order to do that, and the Biden administration is not uh, honoring those promises to Morocco, our great friend. Again, this is going to be, we're going to lose another country. You know, forget about Saudi Arabia, forget about Brazil, forget about France. We're about to lose uh, the country that controls the western mouth to the Mediterranean. So, um, and by the way, Sid, you know, I believe Schumer doesn't know about it, but Eric Adams has a lot of Chinese connections. They're very smelly. Some of them are communist connections. So Eric Adams in that photograph with the guy who got arrested for the Chinese police station, that ain't any coincidence. New Yorkers should be really pissed about that. You know, I just had the mayor on literally 45 minutes ago, and I beat him up a bit over the whole migrant situation. I beat him up quite a bit, actually. I didn't go over the Chinese police station. But you are, you sound like you're pretty sure, Gordon, because you're usually pretty careful about making any real declarations. You're pretty sure that Eric Adams knew exactly who he was dealing with? Yeah, he um, he's had a number of trips to China. Um, he's had a number of these relationships that uh, call into question on you know his judgment. And um, what I'm saying is that New Yorkers should be spending a lot more time looking at Eric Adams's relationship with China. You know, Schumer has always been anti-China, so you know he's in a photo. He has no idea what's going on. But Eric Adams. He should have known what's going on, and so, therefore, this is a very different issue, um, Schumer versus Eric Adams. Interesting. Hey, as always, Gordon, the information you provide is so valuable. You can't get it anyplace else. You're really that great. So thank you again for hopping on this morning. Something tells me, Gordon, we're going to do this again very, very soon. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. I, you know, 
I, I love talking to you, but when you, we talk, it's because something's really gone wrong in the world. Right. So, you know, it's better, you know, that we don't have to talk, but I'm afraid we will be. Yeah. And so. so thank you very much for, you know, raising these issues, which are just of critical importance. Well, thank you so much for providing the real information. You're the best. I love you. Thanks, pal. We'll do it again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Sid. Take care. Gordon Shank, folks. That's the real deal. It's a heck of a three hours. Not nearly done. My friend, actor Peter Gordio. But coming up next, you talk about smart. Doesn't get smarter. WABC and Fox Business star Larry Kudlow. The economy, the recession, the debt ceiling. Joe Biden lying again about a multi-trillion dollar deficit. All that. Coming up next. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. In my first two years, we cut the deficit $1.7 billion. Trillion, trillion, trillion dollars. Not billion, trillion dollars. In less than two years. Listen, I'm not Larry Kudlow or Charlie Gasparino or Monica Crowley, Ron Insana, any one of these folks. Kudlow being the best in the business. Kudlow does a tremendous show on this station. Great show, 10 to 1 every Saturday. And, of course, I love his TV show, 4 p.m. Fox Business every day. But he could tell me, it sounds like the president is lying. <laughs> I don't know of any president in the in the uh, not-so-distant past that has cut the deficit by nearly $2 trillion, especially this one. But maybe he's not lying. We'll find out right now. Here he is, the great Larry Kudlow. Larry, Biden contends he's cut the deficit by nearly $2 trillion. (laughs) There's the answer I thought I would get. (laughs) I I mean, the... The Washington Post guy, who's really a lefty, has given him like a lifetime ten Pinocchios. <laughs> I mean, as far as I know, not only has he not it's cut the deficit, joke. right? Not only has he not cut the deficit nearly two trillion dollars, but and again, you're the economist, not me. He's added to the deficit. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, uh, this year alone, uh, fiscal year twenty three. Uh, the deficit's going to come in. Actually, it's going to come in close to two trillion dollars. <laughs> okay, it's, it's running two. It's already, I guess, we're, we're six months into the fiscal year, something like that. Uh, it looks like because of more spending and lower revenues, 
uh, we're going to have two to three times the original estimate. And by the by, uh, all that malarkey that he's uh, Biden selling, the only thing that happened in the last couple of years is the emergency COVID spending, most of it, not all of it, but most of it, you know, expired. It ran off. Yeah. So he's counting that as a deficit reduction, but it has nothing to do with it. The other thing said is, you know, this phony misnamed Inflation Reduction Act uh, was estimated to cost, I don't know, $380 billion. So it's now been re-estimated uh, by the Congressional Budget Office, but by Wall Street, by the Penn-Wharton model, by the committee uh, for the federal budget. Anyway, it's been re-estimated to cost $1.2 trillion and <laughs> rising and rising. <laughs> wow. Right? Because they don't have all these tax credits for climate, you know, for electric vehicles and whatnot. Well, there's no cap on them. They go on forever. In fact, some people have estimated they might go on until the year 2044. Oh, my God. Wow. You know, you talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, and, you know, we keep getting told, the American people, that one of the major reasons why the Fed keeps raising interest rates is to combat inflation. By the way, I heard today that the Fed may even raise interest rates again as early as tomorrow. Wednesday. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. Raise, yeah. raise a quarter. Raise a quarter tomorrow. I thought they were going to stop doing that until we had inflation really under control. Well, look, the problem on that is the inflation rate is around 5%. So that's better than 9 but it's right. still 5 The Fed's target is 2 So they got a lot of work to do. Um, I, don't, I don't think Wall Street think it's, quote, one and done. On Wednesday tomorrow, I don't think so. I think it's gonna they're gonna have to raise rates uh, several more times. The rate is now at, at five. It'll go to five and a quarter tomorrow. Uh, I think it's got to go to six at, mm. before it's all mm. said and done. Well, what does that do to the? What does that do to our, our market, our real estate market, our housing market? Uh, it's gonna hurt. I mean, it's very interesting. It's a mixed bag, okay? Because I, I want to be honest with you. It's a, you know, I, I know it's, there's Biden politics in this, but I'm looking at the numbers. So the housing market, the residential housing market, is actually showing signs of bottoming. Mostly, Sid, because the mortgage rates have come down a point, like from seven to six. I'm 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 rounding here, but rest seven percent to six percent. So there's some evidence of a bottom. The one that's really hurting is the commercial real estate market. Uh, and a lot of that is office buildings because people have not come back to work. Right. Okay. There's, they're still out, you know, trying to work from home. And you read like Jamie Dimon and uh, Elon Musk and others want their employees to get in the office, but it's not happening. No. And uh, you got a lot of empty buildings. Yep. Right? I did, I did, yeah, especially here in New York City. You mentioned yes. Jamie Dimon. Jamie Dimon on record just yesterday, uh, Larry Cardlow, the great Larry Cardlow, 10 to 1 Saturdays, 4 p.m. Fox Business, a tremendous television show. Jamie Dimon just yesterday saying that the American banking system has never been healthier. 
Is that true? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is an, another laugh. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't, uh, these mid-sized regional banks, I mean, you know this guy, Kevin O'Leary, the Shark Tank guy? Love him. Love him. Yeah, yeah. Me, me too. Right. He was just on, I mean, he's an old pal of mine. He was on our show again yesterday, last night. And, I saw him. Yep. Uh, you know, um, I don't know, Jamie Dimon's buying uh, First Republic, and it's it's a lousy buy, really, a lousy buy. And it's going to cost him a lot of money, and it's going to cost the taxpayers a lot of money because the FDIC has got a pony up to cover all the depositors. Um, I don't know why he's buying these banks. I mean, it's they're not good banks. They're not even necessary banks. I mean, it's a funny thing. It's like mid-size. So think of this. Small, honest, small banks, like local community banks, um, well under $100 billion, way under $100 billion in, in footings assets. It, you, you need them because a lot of these rural communities don't have any bank loans, and they have businesses, small businesses. Then you have, of course, the big, big banks, the J.P. Morgans and the banks of Bank of America, um, Wells Fargo, okay, they're, of course you need them because they're the mainstay of the banking system. But these so-called regional banks, mid-sized banks, I, I, I'm not sure what their purpose in life is, and they're not well run. This is the point that Kevin O'Leary was making. He called them you know, idiots. Yes, um, he did. I loved it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's right. It's very funny. Yeah. And he's a J.P. Morgan shareholder. He yeah. didn't like that. He said it's garbage. But the point is, they, you know, unless they're awfully good, they've been squeezed and they've managed very poorly. You know, they bought all these long-term bonds and interest rates went up five percentage points, 500 basis points, and they didn't manage their so-called liability, uh, liability asset mismatches. So, in other words, they didn't finance the bonds properly right. and they, didn't, they weren't prepared for rising rates. Yep. And they should have been prepared, yes. okay? All you yep. have to do is read the Wall Street Journal, for Christ's sake. You don't need an economics department. <laughs> right. You can read the read the New York Post. I mean, everybody knew rates are going up a lot. But these banks didn't prepare for them. And also, there's a lot of insider stuff going on, you know, like the Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, this was a rogue bank. This is a, run by left-wingers. The board of directors are all Hillary Clinton and Obama uh, uh, fundraisers. Mm. They're all climate change fanatics. Yeah. And the other thing that's awful is the Federal Reserve itself, like the, uh, this woman that runs the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank, okay, Mary Daly, she's a big lefty. She's a big climate change nut. You know, she's into uh, – DEI, uh, you know, equity and inclusiveness, yeah, yeah, yeah. so forth, diversification. Mm. And so anyway, my point is the bank examiners didn't examine. They didn't do their job. Yeah, bottom and, line. And, yeah, yeah. and That's now you know, this other guy from the Fed, the new guy, Biden's guy, his name is Barr. He's the vice chairman of the Fed. So he says, well, we need more regulations. No, we don't. We need bank examiners to do their damn job. And then, of course, he blames Trump. <laughs> well, yeah, they blame Trump for everything. It's it's incredible. I do want to get to uh, Janet it's Yellen. Drained. Yeah. 
It, it rained. Yeah, it's Trump's it, fault. It exactly. Last weekend, okay? <laughs> it was Trump's fault. You I know. Understand Trump's fault. I know. I know. He's going to join me, by the way, coming up a week from tomorrow. Eight mornings. Donald Trump will be here for fifteen minutes. I do want to get to Janet Yellen. She uh, basically set yeah. herself on fire yesterday and yelling and screaming that if we don't get this debt ceiling thing worked out by June the first, then we're all going to die. Basically, so. Now we got this big meeting. Biden and McCarthy agreed. It'll be Biden, Schumer, and Jeffries on the left, McConnell and McCarthy on the right. I know the House passed something last week, but they also want to try to reduce spending. Not sure how that works. Just tell me this, Larry. Are you confident with this meeting of five that they'll get past this? And if they don't, if they don't, how bad could it get? Well, look, this is the, the so-called four corners the two leaders in the House, the two leaders in the Senate, and then the president and each of them. We went through this when I was in the Trump administration. Um, this is kind of a BS meeting. Nothing's going to happen in this meeting. Nothing. There will be a lot of finger-pointing, a lot of politics. I want to say that Kevin McCarthy has done a fabulous job, and the budget he put together, the debt ceiling budget, uh, was very reasonable, very sensible, and that's going to be the marker. I mean, look, there's only one debt stealing plan out there, and that's Kevin McCarthy's. The others are just blathering about, you know, it's MAGA and it's wacko. It's not MAGA and it's not wacko. No, I know that, but, but people who aren't as smart as you. A lot of sense. No, but people with economics, especially, Larry, people are not that smart. It's a, it's a tough subject. Um, so people can't really figure out how you spend that type of money. And we do spending at the same time. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting trick, I'll tell you that, having done it for many years. But um, anyway, he look, McCarthy would uh, cut almost $5 trillion from spending over the next 10 years, and it would raise the debt ceiling uh, for one year, okay, March to March. And it's really quite good. Um, but to come back, the – the so-called X date, when the Treasury supposedly runs out of money, it does look like it's going to come sooner, Sid, instead of July or August. Now, I don't believe a word Yellen says ever, okay, and, and no one should believe anything she says. But the Congressional Budget Office, which is the official scorekeeper, they're saying the same thing. In fact, she probably got it from them. The reason being – uh, capital gains-related revenues are way down, and corporate tax revenues uh, are way down. Now, we don't know uh, individual personal tax receipts, but it looks like the April tax date come in short. So uh, the X date, uh, no one knows what the specific date is, but it may come in June, okay, instead of July or August. So these guys had to get their act together. Hmm. And uh, what's going to happen here, I think, is basically uh, Biden has got to negotiate with McCarthy. McCarthy holds the Trump cards right now. He's got the whip hand because he put out a budget and passed the House, and the White House didn't expect this. They, you know, they downplayed McCarthy. They were wrong. In fact, McCarthy's done two bills. One of them is an energy bill to reopen the fossil fuel spigots, and the other one's this debt ceiling budget reform bill. So he's got he, he's got the cards, okay? 
He's got, you know, his opening bid was um, one no Trump. He got, you know, 18 to 20 points in bridge, and they're going to have to deal with that. Um, Chuck Schumer can blather on as much as he wants, <laughs> but he's unless look unless they come up with a product. But the Senate will not come. Not up Not going to happen. Product. Right. Never. Senate, Never gonna, right. right. The Democrats in the Senate have not put a budget nope. together in their lifetime. Not ever. capable. They're not capable. So uh, right. in the final 60 seconds, the great Larry Kudlow, Donald Trump did not make a lot of mistakes. One of the few mistakes he made was he went to Cohen before he went to you. And uh, eventually <laughs> you worked for Trump and did a great job. Now, look, you're back at WABC getting big ratings on Saturday mornings. Fox yeah, Business. Oh, new numbers coming in pretty good. Yeah, you're doing great. I'm not, I'm not sure why, but they oh, are. Oh, you know why. Yet. You're great. You're brilliant. I, you're great. And I love, by the way, I spent three years as his economic advisor and loved it. I want to tell you that's it. I love No, that's it. why the question was going to be, with as well as you're doing at WABC and Fox Business, because you love those three years, if Trump wins again in 2024 and calls Larry Kudlow, how long before you're at Kennedy Airport? On your way to D.C.? <laughs> I always take the uh, Acela. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great answer. Oh, I'll take the train. <laughs> you, you, you know, Sid, I got to tell you something. I've been, I've been, with God's grace, I've been sober for 28 years. A right? And what you learn in the 12-step program is you take life a day at a time. Yep. A day at a time. That's true. I'm in the same program. I know. A minute at a time. Well, God bless. God Me bless. And, and I'm just saying that regarding the future, you know, it's a day at a time. I love being back at the, the new WABC with John Katsimatidis and Margot. We all had dinner last night together. I mean, I just love it. I love being at Fox. They've treated me very well. Uh, with God's grace, the show has been a good success. I just love it. So that's what I'm doing every day. I'm going to do it today, and I'm going to do it tomorrow. And, Sid, that's all I know. That works for me. You are, you're a brilliant man, a great friend, a tremendous yeah. on-air personality, both on radio and TV. Continued success. Stay well. And thank you for coming on. It's always a big honor when you come on my show, Larry. Thank you. Now, listen, this 905 slot is wonderful because, you know, I, I'm not an early rider. Right. <laughs> this is yours for now on, okay, Lon? <laughs> I do want. Right, thank you, buddy. Dustin's called me about 730 and all this stuff, and I'm uh, going, yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> he won't do it again, I promise you, Larry. Great job. Right, buddy, you're terrific. You you're too. the king. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank all you. Right. The absolute best. Larry Kudlow, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. He gets Big numbers every Saturday morning and, of course, 4 p.m. every weekday afternoon on Fox Business. That is the smartest show on TV. Trust me. Especially now that Tucker's gone. That is the smartest show on TV. Take a short break. Peter Gordio, great friend, terrific actor, Graves and Bronx Tale, many others. He going to hop on, we'll play a game, all that. Stick around. Tuesday, that's it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little 
or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Did you hear that, Larry King? Uh, Larry King. Larry Kudlow just called me the king. He said, you are the king, Sid. Yeah, you can't get enough of that. Gee, what's good about me is I never allow these things, like Alan Dershowitz Shit, saying, nobody stop. educates New Yorkers better than you. Larry Kudlow calling right. me the king. Don't let it go to your head. Others said, Gordon Chang, you're the best radio host in the business. Eric Adams, you're my favorite radio host. I never let these, I don't even remember him. No, 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 of course you don't. I don't no. even remember. Yeah, you're yeah. Just, you're just like a library. Right. I'm sitting to my right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're not running in here at the break saying, hey, can you no. pull that? Hey, can you can, can pull that? You got to pull that. You got to pull, 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 pull. Can you pull that, actually, Larry? <laughs> <laughs> This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Vinny Viola's horse Forte, the morning favorite to win the Kentucky Derby Saturday. Five to two right now. Drew the post position 15 yesterday. So I think we'll talk to uh, Dick Girardi on Friday. Dick is the long-time voice. I think he's done the last, like, 40 Kentucky Derbies, Preakness, the Belmont. Comes out with me every year. So I think we'll talk to Dick on Friday. And handicap this race, my friend Vinny Viola, whose Florida Panthers shocked the world by beating the Boston Bruins, is in Toronto tonight for game one, Panthers-Maple Leafs. And then I think Thursday or Friday, to fly out to uh, Lexington, watch his horse go through the morning workout. And then uh, Saturday, of course, is the Kentucky Derby. Not a bad life if you can get it. My next guest is a dear, dear friend, really one of my best friends, really is. And uh, I'm doing this TV show, Gravesend, you guys know that. Season two is going to come out one of these days. (laughs) I filmed my first scene for season two over two years ago with Andrew Dice Clay down in Miami, but... It's been a great couple of years with all these guys, William DeMeo, certainly Chris Marmondo, and a very talented cast, some very well-known people like Chaz Palminteri and Vinny Pastore and Chuck Zito and Paul Ben Victor and uh, who's the girl that plays uh, the nanny? She, she's kind of cute. She's in it, too. And there's a whole bunch of people, you know. Fran Drescher, that's right. But Peter Cordio has become family to us. He's out there every event we do with Gabriel. Anytime I've got a book signing, he provides my muscle and he's in unbelievable shape, and he's vying for the cover right now of Muscle and Fitness magazine. And I don't know how he can get it. I've never seen a guy built that well in their 30s or 40s, let alone 60s. So he's going to tell you how you can vote for him and make sure he graces the cover. Here's my friend, the great actor, Peter Gordio. Pete, good morning, buddy. How are you? 
Good morning, Sid, and it's an honor to be on your radio show, the number one radio show in the country. You know, you're a gentleman. You've been working so hard. You're at a level now. You escalated to a level that, you know, no other radio host could ever achieve. And God bless you always. Well, thank you. You used to uh, come in on Fridays with me and my late partner, Bernard, and we used to do those fitness Fridays. It was a lot of fun. I want to get back to that, especially with the summer, because people are, you know, care about their bodies and staying in shape. And, again, God bless you, Peter, in your early 60s. You are in unbelievable shape. I'm around actors and actresses quite a bit. I mean, in my long career now, which is two years, <laughs> I've seen some good-looking people, but you're in great shape, and it starts with you at like 3 o'clock in the morning with the first thing you eat, yes? Right, 100%, Sid. You know, I lived a life. I'm training 46 years. You know, I hold the title of Mr. New York City that I won in 2000. And, you know, and I wake up each and every day, and my motivation is to inspire people, to motivate people, you know, to have a mind, body, and soul balance, you know, 33 and a third, and to give them all the knowledge and experience that I've been through on this journey for so many, many years, you know, and give them a little bit of shortcuts, and they don't have to go through what I've been through in the past. Yeah, I know you were. And I get the most pleasure out of life of helping people and, and guiding them in the right direction. No, I know you do, and our, uh, a few of my friends have actually asked you to help them train. And when you were doing the, the Fridays with me and Bernie, people would reach out to you because they see you, whether it's a Bronx Tale or Gravesend. And, again, you're in great shape. But just so people know, as much time as you spend working out, which is more time than even I do, your diet, I mean, you, you make just about everything you eat yourself. You are really strict when it comes to diet, yes? Yeah, 100%. You know, uh, all the work is done in the kitchen. You know, exercises don't change. Food changes, and that's what changes your body. You know, you have to want to change, and you have to see it visually for your body to change. It's a whole mind and muscle connection. You know, you you can exercise six days a week, seven days a week. You can put all the hours in, but if you don't put the hours in the kitchen, you're not going to get the results that you're trying to achieve. It's as simple as that. It's so you know? boring, though. I mean, so, I mean, like you would say to me this morning, I want you to eat like egg whites and, and uh, you know, like uh, potato. I don't know, not even potatoes. Uh, whatever it was, it was, it was just, it was such a boring diet. Now it pays off, obviously, when people go to you, man, you look great for, for 56 or 61, whatever it is. But it's hard to stay on that, man, because it does get a little tedious eating that same food yes, all the time. I understand that. But you know what, Sid? You know, you're not eating for taste. You're eating for results. Not good and that's the, yeah. and that's yeah. the approach. Yeah. You know, and when you eat when you eat for taste, you allow yourself one cheat meal a week. I always call it a treat meal. I don't call it a cheat meal. This way you feel better about yourself indulging in the foods that you normally shouldn't be having because you know you want to stimulate the muscle, you want to stimulate your mind, you know, you want to stimulate your spirit and you want to grow. That's what being a bodybuilder is all about. It's about attacking the muscle from each and every different angles. This way you get a response. So I see this you know, guy in the gym. Yeah, I see this guy in the gym, and he's a little older than me. And he goes to the gym. He's, like, there for, like, two hours every day. And he, he works on, like, every body part. And for me, the only day I spend more than an hour is when I do chest. That's about 75 right. minutes. Otherwise, I'm gone in 60 minutes or less. But I don't do that. I don't do the, the full circuit thing. I pick a body part every day. For example, I did chest right. two days ago, arms yesterday. Today I'm going to do shoulders. Tomorrow I'll do back. Then I rest for a day or two. And then, again, I attack one body part on one day. Others seem to think you're better off doing the full body circuit. What does Peter Gordio do? Well, you know, I do. I separate the body parts like you do. You know, I do three on, one off, two on, one off. 
Like on Monday, I would hit chest abdominals and do 20 minutes cardio. Tuesday, I would do back, I would do calves, and I would do 20 minutes cardio. Wednesday, I would do legs, and you always suppose it's recommended that you take the day off after you do legs because you need the recovery. And then you go to the later part of the week, which is Thursday, you do delts, you do abdominals, and you do cardio. Friday, you do buys, tries, forearms, calves, cardio. You rest the following day, you have recovery, and the following day after that, you go into the gym like a beast and you just open it up. Love it. And you keep your, you keep your diet tight, you know, and this way, you know, when, when you're performing the movements, you could actually see the muscularity in the, in the muscle, you know, because you want to get the muscle to its pure perfection, to its form. You know, not everybody's going to reach a bodybuilding status. I Obviously, I, I get that, you know, but if you're going to put the work in and you're going to put the time in, you know, get the results that you're trying to achieve. Agreed. This is uh, the terrific actor, dear friend of mine, Peter Gordio, Bronxdale, Gravesend. So many other films as well. So, Peter, you're vying for the cover, and I've seen this, and I voted, and I want everybody out there to vote this morning, vying for the cover of Muscle and Fitness. That is not a small thing. That is a big, big deal. So for the millions listening right now that love me and love you, Peter, how do they vote for Peter Gordio this morning? Okay, you, you, you know, landing the cover of Muscle and Fitness, it's huge. You know, it's been a childhood dream of mine since I've been a little kid, since I started training since I'm 15 years old. You know, I've been written up in other muscle magazines, but this is this is the top of the line. This is the best magazine that's out on the newsstands today. And, you know, um, you can vote for me by going on my Instagram. The link is at the bottom. It's in my bio profile, you know, and... Um, I just want everybody to come out there and vote. And then if you donate a little bit of money, like, you know, $20, $50, $75, a percentage goes for the homes for wounded warriors, and I get those votes. I'll get to 75 votes to 50 votes, that the money that you contribute to homes for wounded warriors, wow. which is great. You know, yeah, yep. it's really, really special. Yep. And currently I'm in first place as of now. And, um, you know, if it starts right, it's going to stay right. So I need the support of each and every one of you that's listened to this great uh, radio station and to go on my Instagram, you know, follow me, vote for me, and you'll see me on the cover. I got a great story inside that you would love to hear. You know, I, I started out at 15 years old. I was introduced to strength training from my dad because playing sports growing up, you know, I wasn't, I didn't get it in height, so you have to get it in strength and get it in width. And then now when you perform the sports and when you're a lot more stronger, you move a lot further in the sport that you're trying to play in. And then I went into bodybuilding and then into acting, and I just got a lot of great things going for mm. myself. I'm going to be back on your radio show, which I'm honored to be on, which is a dream come true also. And, you know, I'm doing stand-up comedy with Mike Marino. We're going to be at Governor's May 26th and May 27th Look at you. in Levertown and in Belmore. Wow. Yeah, and I just finished, yes, I just finished the radio show out of Boca, which was Friday evening, which was great. And also, I just wrapped The Beggar Man with Peter Green and Lenny Thomas from Ruthless, from Tyler Perry. So I got a lot of great things going out there. I got a great story to tell everyone. And just vote for me for the cover. You know, and I've been in the game for 46 years. I'm 62 years old. You know, these kids that are trying to get into the cover, they're 30, and they really have nothing to offer. They live with their mother. You know, they probably, they've probably never been through life's hurdles. You know, you have to, you know, go through injuries, you know, go through getting your car repossessed and still training and still being active in the game and still being motivated. And, you know, it just means everything for me to win this title. Well, you're going to win it. Uh, 
you're also a great father. I know you talk about yeah, taking yeah, some of that yeah, money yeah. up and giving it yeah. to your daughter, and it's a wonderful yeah, story. What I'm going to do with the grand prizes, you know, the elementary school that I went to, the gymnasium needs renovation. So I'm going to help renovate the gymnasium for the children at the elementary, and then I'm going to help financially pay my daughter's school off. Uh, you, you know, you really are a sweet guy. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm real sweet. No, you, you know, are. You, you, you are. No, you, no there's nothing phony. And, of course, you banged a porn star for four years. Yeah, I was dating Anne Boleyn for four <laughs> years. You know, yeah, so I have a great story. That, I have a great story that people would be interested in. I think so. Bo Dito just texted me. He yeah. goes, what happens when I take Peter to Rayo's? What are you going to eat? I love bead pasta and veal. Sorry, I live to enjoy food. If I did what Peter does, I'd be in great shape and get hit with a meteorite. Quote, I love Peter. That's from Bo Dietl, another great actor uh, and I, in and I love Bo also. See, yeah. you know, I know Bo 40 years, you know, and I know Margot 40 years also, you know, and they're very dear to me. And, you know, I have a great relationship with them. You know, when I had the honor to attend Rayo's with, uh, with Mr. Dietl, we had such a great evening, and I ate. From soup to nuts, you know, and it was really, really delicious. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to go back there again. All right. Maybe we'll do it together. So one last time, Peter, on the way out for folks, not who want to, who need to. I'm compelling you. I'm telling you, go vote for Peter Gordio to be on the cover of Muscle and Fitness. How do they do that right now? Okay, they can go on my Instagram. First, you have to follow me. Go on my Instagram, and then on the bottom of my profile page, there's the link. You just hit on the link. It'll all open up. You know, you make a little contribution, so, if, you know, the, some of it goes to the Homes for Wounded Warriors, and then I'll get the votes. And next Thursday, May 11th at 7 p.m., you know, is the deadline. So you could vote daily, which I truly would appreciate it. And uh, let's make this happen. You know, I've accomplished a lot in my life, and this is the next step, and this is the next, you know, um, uh, uh, fulfillment internally that I need to do, you know, and uh, let, let's let's make it happen. I want this so badly for you, folks. Go to Peter Gordio, that's G-A-U-D-I-O, terrific actor and even better person. Go there to his Instagram page right now, and let's put this sexy mother effer on the cover of Muscle and Fitness. I love you, Pete. Great job, buddy. Congratulations. I love you too. And Sid, what about this? Let's make America train again. Yeah, I love it. You got to do right. it. You got to do it in a red hat because Megyn Kelly walked around yesterday in a red hat that said, "Let's make women great again," and they were busting her chops. You got to make the hat red. I love that motto. It's great. That's I love it. it. Make America train again. All right. I love it, ladies and gentlemen. That's I the great love Peter Gordy. I love you. I love you, I love you, you too. Always. Thank you. There he is, terrific actor. He plays Rocco in Gravesend. He's Rocco. I'm Dave Busco. Coming to a TV near you. All right, we'll come back and wrap things up. What a terrific show, folks. Sitting friends in the morning. Coming right back. Beautiful life, sun shining up to spread. It's just like the fella said. Tell me quick, ain't love a kick. Oy. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. How many of us have them? 77 WABC.
Kid Joe, um, he works in the same office as Gina and Stephanie. Good kid. Is it Malici or something? Malici. Tells me no, that the writers are on Malici. strike. Malici. The writers are on strike, these uh, TV writers. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. So I guess they're playing reruns on these late-night shows, all of them. Oh, I had no idea about that. Oh, yeah. Starting today, it's only reruns. Really? So, like, Fallon, That's what he said. Fallon and uh, Fallon, uh, Kimmel. Kimmel. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. I, I guess. I, I haven't watched I one of those care. shows in years. I go yeah. to bed at the... Uh, yeah, I don't care. Who's up? Yeah. I don't care. I don't care either, but it's kind of a big deal, I guess. Well, I guess. We'll bring him in tomorrow. He says he knows about it. I don't know. Well, because he, he does... Have you seen his... Uh, he does movie... Yeah, no, he's good at that. Henry Winkler's on with Morning Joe right now. He's looking good. Fonzie. He does look good. <laughs> he plays that guy, Barry, on each No, he does not. He doesn't play Barry. Right. He doesn't play Barry. He's, That's in, what I the, said. he's in the show, Barry. Oh, he's on the show, Barry. Yeah. He, he, he plays a character called Mr. Cousineau. But why, why wouldn't he be the star? He's the Fonz. Because he's not the star. Uh, uh, Bill Hader is a much bigger so why star. So why isn't Bill Hader on MSNBC right now? Why is it Henry Winkler? Bill Hader's a staunch conservative. Oh. And Henry Winkler's a pussy liberal. Yeah. So why are we bringing him on? I don't know. I don't know any. I didn't even. I think I might have just lied about Bill Hader, too. So. Hey. Take, take that with a grain of salt. He's Jewish and he's the Fonz, and I'll always love him. That's right. I don't care who he votes for. Fix your eyebrows, though. You've got to shave those. It's like I miss. No, they look like. Cotton balls. Over yeah, yeah, they do. But he looks good. He looks all right, Fonzie. He's got to be like 75 years old. Hey, Mrs. C. <laughs> hey, there's some history between him and Marion Ross. You know that, right? Uh, who, who hasn't had that? History? I know. Well, it was a great show again today. You guys were all great. Lewis, Justin, and Noam. Guests were great, too. We got a big show coming up tomorrow. Ron Johnson, Peter King, just to name a few. We're going to get out of here on this rainy Tuesday morning. Wish you all the very best until 6 a.m. on a Wednesday. From all of us to all of you, Bo, have a safe trip. Peace! Come on! This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.